Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of Frame Trap. I'm joined by recurring guest Mitchell Saltzman. Hello, hello. Uh, first time he's actually done a frame trap in yeah, the studio. Yeah, this is amazing. I've never yeah. been here before. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was like crazy because you know I've known you for so long. Where it's like, wow, I really can't believe he hasn't done a frame trap in the studio. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, but glad to have you, and also joined by Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. I like that shirt. Is that a Nidhogg shirt? Yeah, it's a Nidhogg okay. shirt. Yeah. I didn't nice. know that. Nice. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, I got it from them uh, when we did a preview for it. Yeah. That's so cool. Um. You know, Mitch, with you being here, of course, we have to talk about fighting games. Got it. Uh, and Blood, feel free to weigh in on this as well. Um, what do you think of the Evo 2022 lineup? I think it's a very interesting lineup. Uh, yeah, I think I think it it makes you know a decent degree of sense. Uh, yeah. You know, you you kind of get Street Fighter Five send off year. Yeah. Um, Which Com- is cool. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a feel good thing. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11. Feels like it kind of kind of outstated its its welcome. I mean, it yeah. feels like Mortal Kombat 11 has been such a big part of Evo right. um, online because the netcode is so good. Yeah, um, I, my brain tells me it's got to be because they got a, a NetherRealm Studios announcement that they wanna that mm. they wanna plug. Yeah, yeah, that you know MK12 possibly around the corner. Um, also, Smash not being there, which really sucks. Yeah, um, and that that's another thing uh, where like you would expect now that they're back in. You know, in person, the reason why they didn't do Smash at, at uh, Evo Online is because the Smash Brothers <laughs> Ultimate netcode is terrible. Yeah. Um, but I think that's more of an issue of just, you know, Nintendo not being able to broker a deal with, you know, the new owners of Evo. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Nintendo has its own, like, weird pie-in-the-sky picture of what they want a Smash Brothers tournament to be, and it doesn't look like Evo, and so... Yeah, it just it's this weird thing where it's like they're just a little out of sync with what other people want. It's like just you can do that thing, but do this too. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating. Like obviously, both Smash Brothers, the Smash Brothers community, and Evo itself has gone through pretty tremendous con- uh, controversy over the last several years. But in 2019, being in there in person at Evo, like the Smash audience was like overwhelming. Like you'd go to the Smash area, yeah. and like there were so many people. They were so stoked to be there, and I think just like. As a fan, I just want people to have that outlet, you know, and it, it's a it's a bummer that they won't uh, get to this year. Yeah, Mortal Kombat 11 is interesting. Um, I feel like I have not really seen people talk about MK11 in like it, it just feels like done in a way, and maybe I just don't have the right perspective on it. But yeah, it's it's gonna be. I'm curious to see what the entrance for each game are going to be. Another one that I'm yeah. curious about is um, Melty Blood. With that just coming out, I feel like King of Fighters is kind of eating its lunch, or I, I just don't, I haven't seen a lot of Melty Blood hype, but I'm not really familiar. Yeah, Melty, Melty Blood's cool, and I mean, you know, you look at the lineup, it really is kind of the, you know, the most recent, like, big-name fighting games. Mm-hmm. Melty Blood, you know, you can argue whether it's big or not, but, you know, there there's a loud, passionate crowd for Melty Blood that yeah. are, are going to be super stoked that it's going to be on the main stage of Evo. Um, my big, like, snub, I guess you would call it, is Soul Calibur. Mm. I think Soul Calibur Six. If if we're going to, like, you know, put games that are, you know, beyond the, the end of their life, life cycle, like Mortal Kombat... Yeah. They should get uh, Soul Calibur in there. Soul Calibur is so exciting to watch. I was just going to say, boy, you're really hitting a nerve because I would much rather watch Soul Calibur than, <laughs> than MK. Mortal and I, I love and MK. I, lo- I love Mortal Kombat. I mean. And I, I, I like playing Mortal Kombat 11, but oh my God, is it so boring to watch. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would call it boring to watch, but. <laughs> it might be a hot take. I don't know. I, I, I think 
just the speed of MKX was was more exciting. But mm-hmm. yeah, I really like playing Mortal Kombat 11. I just don't I don't get a lot of joy from watching it. I do think Soul Calibur is super exciting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to watch. Something uh, that stood out to me and I was actually really stoked about is Grand Blue Fantasy Versus uh, because I feel like that game kind of came out at the wrong time and didn't really have uh, like a huge major tournament to shine in. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's really cool. And I think it's a, a game that a lot of people are unfamiliar with. Um, and I think it's a great beginning fighting game. For sure. Uh, and it, it looks gorgeous. And so I'm just, I'm happy to see it get a shot. Yeah, sure. definitely. Um, and I think it's also a good lead in for, you know, it, it's a good almost like, Appetite wetter for uh, DNF Duel, mm. which is you know on the horizon. So uh, so yeah, Grand Blue, Grand Blue would have been like such a huge hit if it was tied to a a franchise that the West knows anything about. Yeah, <laughs> if it had decent netcode, which it didn't, and like everything else, like the characters are are like the move sets are really cool. Yeah, it, it does have that good. Um, that really good, like fundamentals based, uh, like neutral style of, of fighting game gameplay. Um, and I also wish it had a better story mode, but what fighting game oh, does yeah. these days? <laughs> uh, yeah, Grand Blue Fantasy is so weird because you can play it in English, but there is no official English release. Yeah, and the game is massive, and so it's 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 kind of a shame, like you said, that it never got that recognition. I think. You know, that RPG that's been in development forever, if that mm. could have kind of come out at the same time. That would have been perfect. Because uh, I'm actually nice. really stoked for that game. That game looks really cool. Yeah. I don't even remember the name of it, but it yeah, looks it's, awesome. It's one of those games that I feel like has been in development so long that, like, yeah, I, I was stoked years ago, you know, <laughs> and it's just it's just been so long that it's kind of uh, fallen off. Um, any other thoughts on the EVO lineup? Anything? Um, I wish... Them's fighting herds <laughs> made it. Mm. <laughs> uh, them's fighting herds. I, I don't think gets enough respect. Sure. Um, that game, you know, I think a lot of people take it at face value. And granted, its face value is you know ponies, you know, kicking each other's you know asses. I guess. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really really not even solid. It's great. Mm. That game is great. The combos are super fun to, to pull off. The netcode is fantastic. It has one of the best online lobbies I think I've ever played. Um, and its story mode is surprisingly ambitious. Mm. Granted, it still is only on the first chapter of story mode. Uh, I, re- I hope that they, they get chapter two out soon. But, uh, man, Them's Fighting Herds is utterly fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played a, a single second of it. And I've only, like, done the lightest, the lightest <laughs> of dabbling uh, but Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, mm. like the tiny bit that I've touched that game, I was like, this game is insane and like kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it kind of gets snubbed uh, when it comes to attention or just tournaments. Uh, licensing nightmare, I'm sure. Yeah. But I feel bad about that game because I, I did I, I got to review it when it first came out. And yeah. When it came out, it was not the same game that it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. I, I, I unfortunately haven't really gotten into it um, since it added so many other characters and you know addressed a lot of the the issues that I had with it. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, any we, you mentioned uh, NetherRealm announcing very likely Mortal Kombat 12. Uh, any other announcements that you're expecting? Any I mean Street Fighter 6 will probably show up there. Yeah. Uh, anything you've got your mind on for Arc System Arcs? Or? Um. 
I think Arc System Works, they, they got to go through their whole back catalog and, and add rollback, netcode, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> They're already starting it. Um, Didn't they add it to... They're adding uh, it to Ultimax. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the cross tag. Didn't they add it to cross tag, or am I? I think they might have added it to okay. cross tag. They need to put it on Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball needs. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the number yeah. one thing that they need to do. Um, then beyond that, you know, new characters in DNF uh, duel. Uh, I, I don't think we're getting a like a brand new big, you know, megaton announcement from them, but. It would be cool to see a new Blaze Blue, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it would be um, <laughs> Blaze Blue in the style of uh, of Guilty Gear Strive. I don't think this is going to happen. I think it's way too soon. But a Tekken Eight announcement would be hype as hell. Even just even just like the slightest of teases would yeah. be really exciting. And like, oh man, I want to go to e- like. I was talking <laughs> to my wife about this. Um, I hope I get to go this year because going in 2019 was just like one of the best experiences of my life, just being soaked in that energy. Like, everybody was happy and really into fighting games, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is heaven. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, just the energy, especially on the final day mm-hmm. uh, in that arena, was was super awesome. Oh, man, when they were you there when they started singing, uh, did, when they did the sing-along for Indestructible? Yes, I was, oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. it was so good. <laughs> Dude, they should put that song in Street Fighter VI, man. Let's, let's like, you know, put it down right now. Anyone who, who yeah. says that Indestructible is a bad song. I don't know how you could, oh, my God. That, <laughs> no, Ask yourself which no. one you remember more, Street Fighter IV's theme or Street Fighter V's theme. I think that would answer the question for it's you. It's so hype. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the were you there for the, the will the, it kill? Uh, no, although great. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. The the snake troll. The oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah oh, that was man, awesome. Big controversy around that was great. <laughs> okay, uh, let's actually uh, get into the games. Uh, Blood, let's, let's, you know what, let's start with you, uh, because you <laughs> mentioned that you just finished your script for Gran Turismo 7. Yeah. Uh, review copy provided by PlayStation, thank right? Thank you. I yeah. almost forgot that. No, I would have, so okay. thank you. Okay, yes. <laughs> Mitch um, doesn't have to deal with this nonsense. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I just, I just really kind annoying. of, you know, let other people take care of it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that would be really nice. <laughs> Not that it's that big of a deal. But uh, yeah, Grand Turismo 7. But I, this is a game that I wish I wasn't so slammed with other things because the the brief time that I've put into it, I've really liked it. But I'm coming at it from a relatively newcomer perspective, whereas mm-hmm. you know, you're not only a veteran of this series, but also Forza and other games. Uh, so yeah, what what's your take on it? Yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of curious to know which, what exactly you're looking for because uh, it's like my head just came out of the review, so I'm like, how am I going to not repeat myself? Yeah, but, no, uh, it's okay. <laughs> I, trust me, I have repeated review quotes many times on Fred Trap. It's unavoidable. The, it's uh, every episode of Podcast Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one of the things it was interesting is it's like, you know, like we talk about like where scores and stuff land, and it, what's funny is that like. I've kind of been like in the same score like throughout this whole past few weeks, but mm. the reasons for it have changed over time. That's interesting. Um, and so, um, but yeah, I think I think the main thing is that the this thing has turned me into like a dual sense controller believer for driving games. Okay, that impressive. Whereas before the past few generations, like Xbox controller is always my preferred controller. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and part of it is because of the off-center sticks. Part of it is because those triggers have always been better on Xbox, especially like the PS3 triggers are just garbage. They, yes, that is accurate. God, uh, I hate the PS3 triggers. <laughs> but there's just been times in Gran Turismo 7 where with the resistance on the analog triggers, it has like allowed me to just like pull off just this ever so subtle like acceleration coming out of a corner. Like, okay, if I blast it, it's not gonna. I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna have a problem. But if I can just like barely touch it and That's just awesome. slightly pull it in, and it's. I don't think it has any more like degrees of an analog trigger, right? Like mm-hmm. even back on the GameCube, it was like 255 degrees of sensitivity. But because of that resistance, right. It allows you to like nail the sweet spot that you want, pull it in how far you want it, and keep it in that spot. A, a question that I have for you, and I think this is a personal failing as a player, is I sometimes I like I'll get so immersed in a game, and I feel like even with the dual sense, even when there's resistance to the triggers, it's not that it isn't really cool, but it's kind of like rumble, where like I'll just be so focused on what I'm doing, and I'll you know you, I'll get used to repeating the same mm-hmm. action over and over again. That I'll my my it's like my fingers will just get used to it, and I won't even really notice anymore. Does that happen to you, or do you, do you feel like that resistance was pretty significant throughout your playing from beginning to end? Yeah, I mean, I think there's things with the haptics that, that yeah, you kind of get, like when you like hit a rumble strip on the side or whatever, mm-hmm. and like when you first start the game and you feel that from one side of the controller, it's like, oh, that's really cool, and you kind of don't notice it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with the resistant triggers because they're communicating so much about what's happening with your wheels and your brakes and your accelerator, like, it's like, no, actually, the more time I put into it, the more I've been able to actually use that to my advantage, um, you know. And so it, it really gives me just that nuance just a little bit better, you know. And I've, and I've used that, obviously, like, with Xbox controllers and stuff in the past, but it just feels like there's, again, like, just being able to hit that sweet spot when you need it. Um, to come out of the, that turn just right. Coming from, you know, GT Sport and then further back GT6, what what are the major improvements in GT7? Um, I, oh, yeah, I think the, the controls are there. Right. Um, I think the, yeah, I think the main thing is just that there's that, uh, there's a more consistency in quality, right? Mm. So Gran Turismo 5, Gran Turismo 6, like, they just threw everything, just, like, shoved it in there, right? I, th- I, I want to say, like, Gran Turismo 6 without a car list. It was, like, 1,200 cars or something like that. But a lot of them in GT5 and GT6 were, like, like they look like little cardboard cutouts. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they just literally copied and pasted models over from, like, the PS2. Sometimes it seemed like they were under PS2 spec. Um there were times, oh, I remember, it was so hilarious. There were times where, like, okay, we added cockpit views, but it was just, it was just like a silhouette. There was no detail in the cockpit. It was just black. <laughs> it was just a black mask over the screen that was supposed to be the cockpit view. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? And the same thing with the backgrounds. It was yeah. just, like, these little, like, paper, like, it looked like the like a 2D thing out of, like, Mario 64 or something. Yeah. Um, for, like, trees or, or background details and stuff. That, that's so weird because one of the things that I think strikes me so much about GT7 is like how much car pornography it is in, right. in the sheer amount of detail that it will go into where it will like, you know, you go to the cafe and it's like, let me tell you about this car and why it's so cool. And there's just such this, this like strong enthusiasm uh, that like not having that detail seems 
counter to like everything else in the presentation. Right. Well, I think part of the reason is again, you know, they're just so focused on gameplay and frame rate, right? Like mm -hmm. even here, like you know, one of the cool takeaways is like even when you turn ray tracing mode on, they do not use it when you're behind the wheel. They mm -hmm. only use it in replays and cutscenes gotcha. and, and all of that, so that it's always hitting that sixty as as, as cleanly as they possibly can. Um, and then yeah, the cafe is. I think the cafe is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Like it is such a great device. Like. And it's so bizarre. <laughs> it can be bizarre too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that it would have gone a long way if they had actually had a character model or a video or something of like a person actually talking and emoting to you. <laughs> rather than a photograph that just kind of does like this weird like text message bubble thing. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's it's strange. It feels like that. Because like the the cafe itself, right? Like they'll they'll have like really nice images of of the cafe, and it'll be very serene. But then the like tap 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 tap, and the, the photos of the people, it feels like it's coming from a completely different era of video games. You know what I mean? Like I can't. It's like amazing that like a, a, a high budget. 2022 current gen game like has that presentation yeah. with it. Well, yeah. the menus can be somewhat that way too. Sure. The little like you know mouse cursor mm -hmm. that you click on things. Uh, but no, the, like I think the cafe structure is really good. I think the one the one thing that I think is a bit of a detriment, but you get over it because it only takes a few hours is um, is that unlocking all of the different features is tied to getting through the missions in the cafe. Sure. And so, like, if you pick up the game and somebody wants to play multiplayer with you, it's like, well, sorry, I got to play the game for three or four hours before I unlock multiplayer. Mm -hmm. uh, and stuff like that is, is a little strange. Uh, but I think the actual, like, process of going to the cafe, getting the menu books, which I think the way that they even describe that is funny. It's like, you get the menu book. All right. And now here's <laughs> the three cards you have to get. And, yeah. You know, and take that with you. But... It does a great job of walking you through all of the elements of this gigantic game. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different facets of, and kind of weird things like the photography mode and scapes. And it's like, go over here and check this out. We're going to teach you how it works. And same thing with like the, the auto shop where you get your car washed and the same thing with upgrades and just like all of these little things. And then on top of that, it, you know, it basically is your campaign. So it was like, okay, collecting these cars, well, you, how do you collect the cars? Well, you go out and you do the races and you win the cars. And so then by the time you've gotten through all of those 39 missions, you've, you've seen a, pretty much the whole game. You've, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of other things out there to do after that. But you've gotten the broad spectrum of like, okay, here's the, you know, the Japanese compact cars and here's the high-end race cars and here's yeah. you know, some other things in between um, and license tests and missions and, and everything else. Um. Going from Forza Horizon to this has been really interesting. And, like, they, they almost perfectly balance out each other, mm -hmm. I feel like. Uh, because Forza Horizon is just so easy, breezy. Like, I, I feel like with Forza Horizon, there's, like, no wrong way to play it. Like, right. like the, the appeal of it is just how elastic it is and how freeform it is. Whereas in Gran Turismo 7, like... It's not that I expected it, but it was like, oh, right, there's no rewind button. Like, right. you, you commit. Uh, and I was like, that I like that. It, it, again, it's like this nice You have to go into the, the the options, like the, I don't think they're called accessibility, but whatever, the, the assists. Mm -hmm. You have to go in there and kind of poke around with them a little bit because they're not, 
they're not labeled, they're not presented the same way as they are in Forza, which a lot of other games is just sort of like, okay, we're going to take what Forza did and we're going to copy paste it. And like, here's what your driving line looks like. And in Gran Turismo, your driving line looks totally different. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't tell you when to brake or anything. You know? yeah. So it's like, there's another thing to give you a brake zone. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll do that then. Um, I actually like the little markers for the apex mm. rather than using a driving line. Just like, okay, I go from marker to marker. That tells me everything I need to know. Um, and I've been using the brake zone uh, marker um, just because like, even though in the past I've just gone off of the the gear shifter alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just it's just like one of those things where it's like it's down there. I have to like look down to see mm-hmm. it. And so when the brakes are just right on the track, it's like, okay, it's doing the same thing. It's just in a way that's, you know, not taking away my focus. That is something that I've noticed that maybe I'm just not acclimated to it yet where – Sometimes I feel like there's almost too much for my eyes to keep track of. There is of. too much HUD, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then you can you can definitely turn some of that stuff off. Mm. Uh, even in real time, there's some buttons to swap between some things, which is something that took me a little bit of time is because one of the things that does actually still bug me a little bit about GT is they don't have any kind of periphery markers. So you can't tell if somebody's like right here in your blind spot. And now if you hit like right on the D-pad, your mini-map will turn into, like, a kind of a close-up radar, so you can see, like, here's a triangle and there's a triangle. But again, it's all the way down the corner. Mm. So it's like, if you're focused and you're trying to not hit that guy um, and you don't realize he just snuck up right next to you, because mm. I've, I've basically done pit maneuvers on myself by, mm. like, okay, I'm going to go, and, and I hit the front of his car, and oh. I spun myself out. Um. Even just doing uh, like the B license stuff, like the first license mm-hmm. stints that that you do, um, with Horizon, it, it, it was weird, and and maybe I just wasn't messing with the assist enough. But I would be like on intermediate or something, and I'd be like, "This is way too easy," and then I would bump it up, and I'd be like, "This is way too hard." And it's like I couldn't find the right balance. And I'm sure if I I tweaked it more aggressively, I could. But what I liked about GT7 and like specifically with the license test, why they're so appealing is it's like, okay, yeah, it's really easy to get like a silver on your first try. But getting that gold, as somebody who doesn't know a lot about racing, it's almost like a puzzle you have to solve. Where it's like, okay, how do I do this? Like, how do I break? How do I slow down? How do I take the turn? And it's just like trial and error. And... like the tiniest little thing can make a difference and it can be frustrating i think with the repetition over and over again but once you sort of figure it out it's like okay i feel like i'm learning more about driving through this 12 second test you know in a a pretty satisfying and one of the things that i think is easy to overlook is um the menu before you actually get on track there is like a demonstration to kind of show you how to do it and give you tips Mm. and i've definitely had times when i've beat my head against the wall. I was like, I can't, I just have like two tenths of a second to <laughs> to shave off on here and I can't do it. And I go back and I'm like, all right, exit, look at the demonstration. It's like, okay. And then I go in and I get it. Mm. <laughs> like, perfect. And yes. so, yeah, that's one of the things I think that the GT does really well is, yeah, that sense of teaching you how to drive better mm-hmm. and pushing you to drive better. Like I wanna, another thing I like, I, I called out in the review that I really love is that you get a 50% bonus for doing a clean race. Nice. You know, so not hitting cars, not going wildly off the track. That was so funny. And you can bump stream, a little bit, but yeah. That Huber did not get the clean racing bonus. It was just like so <laughs> perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, but the, some of the things that bug me that are like 
weird. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, is this a nitpick? I don't think it's a nitpick. But other people are probably going to look at that review and like, what are you talking about, dude? Uh, is the every race in the campaign is essentially the same weird structure of you have a long line of cars and you have two laps <laughs> and you have to somehow pass every car. Mm. And like, that's not racing. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like passing an obstacle course. And and it's like every race is like that. There's never a race that we just start on a grid like like Mario Kart or mm-hmm. something. You know, it's like you don't start from standing still. You start from this guy is like a quarter of a lap ahead of you now, you know, figure out how to get there. And as the game goes on, it's like you just get further back and you get more laps to do it. Um, so yeah. it's, just a, it's just a strange thing to me because it's like it basically... It basically makes the other drivers not racers. They're just traffic. Mm. It's like, it's in a way, it's like playing burnout. You know, it's like, I don't want to hit that guy, but I can't get around him. There was a, a race that I did, and it was pretty frustrating where, like, I felt like I was racing well, but because, again, like you said, you're, you're going through all these cars, I would get to, like, like, way back in the line, I would get to, like, 10th place, and it's like, I, I don't. I'm going faster, but I feel like I cannot catch up to the other people. And it's mm-hmm. like, is that because I'm not racing well enough? Is it because I don't have the right car? Um, it actually is a mix of it. And I think that's something I think GT7 does a better job of encouraging you to um, tune and upgrade. Mm. Uh, and, and I think the cafe taking you to the shop and the, the upgrade shop having all these tool tips and like learn more and okay. finding out what things are about. And maybe, yeah, almost, I haven't done that yet. Maybe almost works. every car, like you at least want to go in there and buy racing tires mm. and racing brakes because that'll make so much difference to cornering and acceleration. Gotcha. Um, that yeah, you can totally do that. And and that's but see that's part of why my criticism with this like catch the leader design is when you get your car to like the recommended performance level like if say you know they want you to be at 700 yeah at 700 you're just blasting by Mm. (laughs) you know whatever you're competing with unless you like really put it up to a higher difficulty gotcha so but even then it's like i don't know do i want to put up to higher difficulty because it's not like i'm again it's not like i'm racing against an ai in the same Mm. way it's just like i'm i'm just trying to get around that guy or that guy is just like Again, it's the catch-up mentality. It kind of bugs me a little bit. Um, and even when they have dirt races, you know, it's like, oh, hey, here's Group B rally cars. Do we? Oh, we're going to do a rally race? No, we're going to do the same thing. It's just going to be on dirt. That Yeah, that is super disappointing. Um, I feel like there's been some kerfluffle with the microtransactions. Yeah. Why don't you get into that? Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 I spotted this uh, even during um, the pre-launch period. And so when you look at your wallet, there's like this little box that pops up on screen. At the bottom, there's a button that says top up on PlayStation Store. Yeah. And before uh, before launch, you couldn't tell how much that was. And I think it's like $20 for like 2 million credits. But there are car like I put a car in the review that's 12 million credits. Jeez. So that's $120. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And the, here's the thing. Otherwise, I would just say, whatever, ignore it. Like, if you want to be a whale, be a whale. Yeah. But here's the thing. Their shops have this, like, weird, like, uh, like rarity thing. They have, like, this limited stock. 
So you see in the used shop, things will have limited stock. You'll only see like 15 cars in the shop any given day. And so if you don't have the cash, then it's like, well, if I don't get the cash, then somebody else might buy the car. Or there's this other weird system where uh, people will send you invitations to buy specific cars. So like I've gotten like an invitation for a Bugatti Veyron. and I got an invitation for something else too, I forget. But you can only buy that car if you have an invitation Mm. and that invitation expires. So after the 15th, I can't buy that Bugatti Veyron and I need 2 million credits. That's 20 bucks. It's So it's just like the putting the the pins on you, the pressure to, you know, you you've got to do it or you're going to miss it. It's so it's just so lame because I feel like with with Gran Turismo and Gran Turismo 7, you know, it's the $70 game, right? And yeah. I I feel like it prides itself on kind of this pristine image right like it and it really is trying to make racing like show you the wonders of racing and 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 show how like just clean and cool it can be and so to have these microtransactions and then to like prey on FOMO I feel like the way that they're doing it it just it just feels cheap in a way that really clashes with so many other elements of the presentation. Yeah, and the other aspect of it that that bugs me that I didn't didn't bring up in the review is that the the shops don't have any kind of test drive feature, right? Mm. So you have these like crazy expensive cars and like when you get into like group three races at the like pretty much the end of the campaign, it's like, okay, I gotta, I've gotta buy a group three car because I don't have any yet. And like the cheapest ones I think are like 300,000 or 350,000 credits. Most of them are around like 450,000 to 500,000 range. And you're just kind of like making a bet that you're going to like the way this car handles. Yeah, that that <laughs> that sucks for sure, especially if they're they're going to charge so much. Yeah. So uh, out of curiosity, as someone who knows virtually nothing about Gran Turismo 7 and how all this car buying stuff works, like... Are, are the cars that you buy for that much money, are they, like, you know, exceptionally good cars? Like, can you use them in a race? Is it, like, a pay-to-win kind of thing uh, online or? Um, no, because online stuff is. Separate? Yeah. Well, there's you, you do have to, like, buy your own cars and stuff for a lot of it and tune them and everything. But they usually have specific restrictions. So, like, mm. they there's one the other day that was, like, has to be under 174 horsepower, that kind Got of thing. It. But, uh, yeah, it's a mix of things. It's sort of based on real-world rarity. So, like, that $12 million one I was talking about, like, that's, like, a classic Jaguar race car. There's maybe, you know, a couple dozen at most that they ever produced. And and so it's kind of that, you know. There's, like, the historical prestige to it. So it's really, like, a collector kind of thing. Yeah, it's a collector mentality. and, And, you know, it's... Absent of microtransactions, it wouldn't necessarily be that big of a deal... Uh, but when you can now like put a real price tag on it rather than just grinding it out. And I also suspect that this is the real reason that they don't allow you to play offline. Because, mm. you know, like they're concerned about cheaters. Well, why are they concerned about cheaters? Well, because they're concerned that people are going to find a way to pump up their credits and yeah. not spend them in the store. Makes sense. Um, would you recommend... Gran Turismo 7 for somebody looking to get more involved in like racing games or just racing in general? Yeah, I mean, it it really, 
like you have to know what you're getting into, right? Like you have to know that this is a game where you're going to put in practice and you're going to try over and over again and you're going to like, mm-hmm. you know, shave off those. It's a commitment. Point zero zero ones of a second, um, you know. So it's it's not it's not cruising. It's not you know o- open world game. Uh, but like I said, I I think it does a really good job of yeah teaching you the ropes, letting you get acclimated, giving you tools to you know interact with that the way that you want and so if yeah if you want to like learn how to drive better and you know get into like a track-based racing experience like that's that's really where like the game shines and the game is at the top of its class is just that interaction of your car with the road and so that's why even if like the ai doesn't matter or they don't have a lot of different structures to the events it's like no, like this is cool just because I'm on a different car on a different track and right. there's a lot of cars on a lot of tracks and so there's just a lot to dig into there. I think that was really well said. Look forward to that review. It should be coming. Yeah, it'll Either... probably be up around the time of this. this or, is, uh, yeah. this is public. Don's working on it right now. Okay, yeah. Look forward to that. Um, Mitch, one of the games that you're talking about, I am so curious about uh, for a number of reasons. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to play the latest demo, but I uh, played the demo before that, I believed, and really liked it. And so I'm curious to see how the, the, the final build turned out of Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Oh, you mean Kill Chaos the game? Yeah, Kill <laughs> Chaos the game. Does it live up to the memes? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it... it it's such a weird game, guys. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to hear. That's exactly how I wanted you to open this segment. It's such a weird. It's such a weird game. I don't know if you guys have seen like the uh, the the clip that's being passed around uh, of how they meet. Uh, no, just like the party. How the party meets. Okay. It's literally Jack walking into town. Uh, the, the the other two, Jed and Ash, walking yeah. behind him. Jack turns around. And, you, and they, they hold out their black crystals. Jack's like, holds out his crystal. And you're like, oh, we got one too. You, all I know is I want to kill chaos. <laughs> and they're like, all right, fist bump. <laughs> and then that's it. That's how they meet. <laughs> that sounds like like a bad English dub of like an old anime. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. That's the way you describe the crystals, it, it, it makes me feel like you've gotten a, like an invitation to some some gala or something. <laughs> so yeah, so it it's it's kind of nonsense. Uh, there is kind of like a, a underlying mystery that's slowly starting to unravel that kind of justifies some of the weirdness. I haven't gotten to the end yet, so I I can't say if it's fully there yet. Um, but the the dialogue is just so bad. <laughs> but, uh, okay, maybe I'm being too generous here, but is it is it so bad that it's good or is it bad that it's just boring and you you don't care? I would say at the beginning, before before the novelty wears off, it's, it's in that so bad that it's good territory. Gotcha. The problem is, and let me, let me be clear, I like this game. I do like this game from a, a combat, from a gameplay perspective, and just a general fact of me being a huge Team Ninja fan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, usually when you have a game that's that's built around this, this party and, like, the bonds that you have, generally you have more substantial conversations between each other than 
oh, look, there's crystals. Or, hey, we've been down there before. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just like, you know, pointing out the most mundane things over and over and over again. That's that's like the the limit of like how much they interact with each other. Well, um, it, it's it's interesting that this game is is based on Final Fantasy One because you think about Final Fantasy One, the party doesn't have right, any yeah, interaction yeah, with each sure. other, and yeah. so like that's a way that you could go. But it feels mm-hmm. like they're they're trying to have interaction, but do, like it's bad. Yeah, and yeah. like the the way you talk to to people in in town is in between each mission, you can go to Cornelia, like the the kingdom. And they, they have a whole list of NPCs that you just select from a menu. And then when you select them, it just goes to a, like a static background with the character. They say one line, and they boost you back out to the menu. <laughs> That's it. And like they're, they're never anything of, of substance. Just like, man, I hope you, I hope, I sure hope uh, you come back safely. And then back to the menu. <laughs> yeah. I have to know. Uh, have you gotten to a canoe yet? A canoe. Remember the canoe in the original? Oh, I see. I I didn't play it. I I played oh, okay. like maybe the first 30, 40 minutes of, of Final Fantasy One. Uh, so I unfortunately don't don't know. <laughs> mm. Um, getting getting into the combat for for people yeah. who aren't familiar, right? So this is this is a Souls like uh, kind of game. But what really separates it? What do you how how is combat? So combat's really fun. Um, I think what really separates this game from from anything else, and like even separating it from from Neo, because I think from on a fundamental level it feels very much like Neo. Um, but the the big thing is the job system, um, and you know I feel like job systems are almost like grappling hooks. Like even even a bad job or like a a, a mediocre job system will still elevate elevate a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the job system is is actually really good. Uh, it it's the kind of thing where you start off with three jobs. You basically have your your you know sword your swordsman. You have like a, a pugilist, which means you use your fists, and then you have like a mage. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can basically uh, you know choose choose skills on a skill tree and get down to the next the next job. And then at, you know as a typical job system, then you start from scratch on that on that job system on that uh, job tree. Um, and every, every job has its own command abilities. It has its own, uh, stat up updates or upgrades that it gives you. It has, uh, you know, there's some combo moves that you can add in. So like if you do light attack, light attack, heavy attack, it'll do a specific special move that is unique to that job. Um, so yeah, it's like the, the job system is, is awesome. It's really fun to, to experiment with different jobs and see how it changes, uh, every job also has like its own uh, like move that you just hit from from R two without pressing any other buttons. So like for example, the thief will will steal the the command ability from from any enemy that you you fight. Important question: yeah. Are there like exclusive items and or weapons that you can get from bosses? Ooh, you you mean like a boss like a boss yeah. weapon? Yeah, and, uh, and then and then steal. No, I don't think sick. so. So you don't actually steal weapons; you steal abilities. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, hmm. for example, if you have a bomb and you use the steel on it, you'll steal the fire spell, and then you can just throw the fire spell without using any mana. 
But it would be really funny if you stole self-destruct and yeah. then just <laughs> die. Yeah. That would be awesome. Oh, but what's really cool is that you can steal like you can steal fire from a bomb, mm-hmm. throw three fireballs at it, and then it self-destructs. Oh. So okay. that's the kind of like, you know, cool those are like some of the cool interactions that you can have with the enemies and the other different systems that you have. Like there's all kinds of environmental uh, interactions that you can have. Um and also, you know, it's just really cool to like fight a Tonberry in a in a like action game kind of setting. Yeah, and they're they're crazy, man. The Tonberries in this game are scary as hell. <laughs> Do they just like slowly? Oh, yeah. Okay, great, great. Yeah. Great, so great. so what's cool about the Tonberries is that they they you know they move super slowly, mm-hmm. but they cast these crazy spells that paralyze you mm. and if you get hit it'll teleport right to you oh, and that'll do cool. chef's knife nice <laughs> mm. um with with the job system a couple of questions uh are there like let's say you spend a lot of time with a job does it ever get to a point where it's like okay you've like mastered this job you can do this job skill while you have another job equipped yeah. cla- okay mm-hmm. so it does so have that. yeah so it has kind of like a uh it almost like groups them into like these are like the the brutish uh, jobs, these are the the agility based jobs, and these are kind of like the magic based jobs. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely crossover between some of them. Like you know, when you go from a thief to a ninja, you still have some of those those ninja abilities that you can equip if you've unlocked them, gotcha. um, and th- those are still super helpful. Um, or if you're you know playing as a black mage and you go to a red mage, a red mage is basically a black mage. But they can change. They can do the, like chain spells, so they can keep on throwing fire, like fire spells, mm-hmm. until they they run out of uh, MP. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So again, like the, the does job the red mage is... have a sick ass hat? Is an important <laughs> question. You know what's funny? Uh, so the, the the bad thing about this game is that the gear system is basically the same as Neo, which means you just drown in loot. Oh, oh you, boy. literally, you from start to end, any almost any level. You have like a hundred pieces of new loot that you're gonna have to st- sort through by the time you beat that level. The, the thing <laughs> I will say in in Neo's defense is I do think it goes too hard on the loot, but at least it made like dismantling that loot worthwhile. Does is that the same kind of philosophy? Ah, oh, damn, not really. Okay. You can dismantle loot and you can craft other things, but uh, you know it's not on the same level as Neo. Ah. Um, but the point I was gonna I was getting to was like, so what I basically do I don't want to spend you know. Twenty hours in menus, you know, carefully choosing every single thing. So what I do is Absolutely I just not. there's an optimize button. So I just press whenever I get like a bunch of new loot mm. that's better than my my stuff, the stuff that I have right now. I just go to the menu, hit optimize, and like for half the game, I was just using like a ninja who had like a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like that was my ninja. He just. Cool fedora wearing ninja. Is the gear kind of boring like that, where it's it's really just about numbers? Is there ever like any decision you have to make where it's like, okay, well the numbers here are worse, but it has like cool cool skills or like yeah. augments me. There, there's definitely that element. Um, some some later uh, or higher level gear will give you um, special abilities that you can't really get anywhere else, or if you can, like you know. You have you you would have to get them from like another skill tree or something like yeah. that. So you can equip a piece of gear. It gives you like a really cool special ability. You might want to hold on to it because you've grown really accustomed to that ability. Sick. But then you know the the thing comes around where it's like okay now I'm starting to you know feel the the lack of power on my gear. Right. I have to get rid of this this cool thing. Can you do like any sort of like skill inheritance? 
Not that I've seen. I haven't like dug that deep into okay. it. You might be able to. I'd imagine you can because you can definitely do that in Neo. Mm. Um, but I haven't. I haven't dug deep enough into it. Gotcha. I unfortunately was not reviewing this game because mm. I was reviewing WWE, <laughs> <laughs> which, which does not suck this year. According to you, does not suck this year. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, is the level design kind of like? It's okay. Is it like a le- like chapter by chapter, or is there like yeah, something that connects a, everything? It's, it's structured almost exactly like Neo. So when you okay. when you get a uh, a new level, um, that level will also come with its set of like side missions, and the side missions are basically like start at the end of the level, go back to the beginning, and kill five of these monsters. Right. Okay. So it, it yeah. reuses its its uh, its levels a lot. Yeah, boy, I don't know that I like hearing that uh, <laughs> because I think I think that's something that is is a fault of Neo where mm-hmm. like it, there's one too many side missions and like you get to a point by the end of like those very long games where you're like I feel like I've just seen way too much of the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I am worried about that. Well, I'm, also too like you know the original Final Fantasy like that was a game about exploration. It's like mm-hmm. that's like you go into a town. You try to talk to everybody fair, like, where do I go now? <laughs> They're like, oh, the cave to the north. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But if and, it's all just sort of like, okay, next chapter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of one of my disappointments also with it. Um, you know, the the problem with having so much loot is that finding loot in a level doesn't feel special anymore. Yeah. When when an enemy drops, you know, just as, as good loot as I can find in a chest. I'm not going to go out of my way to to look for every chest in a level because, you know, I'm like, I already got enough loot and everything is already, you know, I'm getting everything I need from just, you know, breaking these or breaking open these pinata enemies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, uh, to compare that to Elden Ring, I think Elden oh, Ring yeah. does, does loot like so wonderfully well, which is even more impressive considering how wide the world is. And it's not like everywhere you go, you get something crazy, but I feel like loot, Good loot is spaced out far enough that I never know exactly where it's going to come from. That when you see like that purple line going up, and you're like, I need to get that, and it makes loot yeah. exciting. What I will sure. say, what I will say about the system, and again, this is also kind of how Neo was. It, the loot system, I feel like is designed specifically for the player who is going to play this game far into the post game, mm-hmm. because once you do get to that point where, like, you know, you you have you know, the the gear that you want, then you can start thinking about uh, the affinity levels that you, you want to get. So there's an affinity system where if you if you equip a bunch of gear that's all of a certain affinity, uh, you basically unlock, like, a progressively more powerful uh, buff. Mm. So let's say, like, I, I have, you know, 200% uh, thief affinity on my gear. Then, like, I, I can go all the way down the, the thief uh, buff list and have something really powerful by the time I get nice. to the end. Cool. So there's definitely that reward for for managing your gear and uh, you know really thinking about what kind of build you want to make. But that doesn't come into play until you're at least like 30 hours in. Mm. Um, and I'm probably about like 20 hours right now. I feel like I'm three mi- missions away from being the game, and I'm still just you know picking up something. If I see an arrow go up, go to the menu, press the optimize button, get back in the game. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise, I'm just spending way too much time in menus, and I'm not sure. having fun. Yeah. No, you spend a lot of time in menus in the game. <laughs> um, but uh, going back to the job system, um, I 
I worry that the job system is going to, like, it's going to be a pain to level up a bunch of things or, like, that, I guess, how's the, how does the progression work? Do you feel like you can experiment and change jobs regularly and progress at a pretty good pace or is it really a grind? Uh, no, I, I've never felt like it was a grind. So the... I basically decided early on that I want like I I went down the the mage path and then I went to black mage and then I went to sage. Sage basically allows you to combine black mage and white mage mm. and switch between the spells at, at the press of a button. And it's actually again like these jobs are so cool. Uh, there's an extra element to it where if you cast three three black mage spells and then three white mage spells be- without switching between the jobs because you can switch between your two equipped jobs with the with the press of a button. If you get three tokens for both black and white magic, you get to cast Ultima. Mm. And Ultima is like, you know, such a badass spell. Like, yeah. almost nukes a boss, like, half of a boss's life. Sick. It's so, <laughs> so cool. Um, oh, so, yeah, man. so I went all the way down that that path. I got Sage to, to max level. And then I went down uh, the, like, the agility-based class. And I got to Ninja. And I got Ninja to max, max level. And Ninja is basically, like, you have... Uh, you have like a separate resource tied to ninjutsu. Mm-hmm. So like I have 20, you know, scrolls, let's say, and I can bring up a, a wheel of, of ninjutsu spells and they're like weaker magic spells, but they, co- they cost no mana to use. You can cast them super fast. And it's just like, you know, one of those things where you can cast them outside of your your, your mana supply. So I can exhaust all my, my ma- black mage spells and then exhaust all my ninjutsus and you know, that's a dead enemy. <laughs> Can you do moves from Ninja Gaiden? <laughs> <laughs> Heartbreakingly, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> None that I've noticed. There's no Izuna drop. I, I feel like um, it, it sounds like it, it carries over so many of the great aspects of Neo because I feel like we've kind of been a little bit down on Neo, but I think something that Neo yeah, does I love. I get, for, for the record, I gave Neo like a nine point five yeah. on IG. <laughs> they're great Neo games. Neo two like a nine point five. One of my highest scores I've given. Yeah, they're great games, and part of what makes the, them great is the combat is so brilliant. Um, and it sounds like some of those elements are, are carried over here. The other thing about Neo though is it has some incredible boss fights. Yeah. Uh, that are and Neo is a brutally difficult game in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. How how does how do the boss fights compare and then how does the difficulty compare? They're pretty good. Um they're they're mechanically interesting and what I really like about it is if you you know they're they're almost always two phase affairs. Um if you die if you get to like the second phase and then you die, you'll see like these two little you know, essences that you can they can absorb, mm. and they'll give you tips on mm. you know what you should do against this boss if you're having trouble. Nice. Um, so yeah, like as far as like the, the mechanically, I think the bosses are really interesting. There's like one that uh, people might be familiar from the demo. Um, it's basically like this giant elemental ball that has like a, a water elemental and a fire elemental that both go out like alternatingly and cool. sometimes they, they come out together. So you have to, you know, you have to mix up what is, is weak against what. Um, and, you know, you have to take take care to note each of their attacks to know how to dodge them because this is a very defensive oriented game. Mm. I don't know. I haven't even gone over like the, the soul break system, which is kind of like the, the big thing in this game. So you have like this break meter at the bottom and uh, you have, you know, basically a soul shield that you can, you can just put out and it's like a parry where, you know, if someone hits you when you, when you have it out, they'll recoil. Um, but 
there's no real timing element to it. Mm. It's just a meter that quickly, you know, decreases the longer you hold it out. And if it goes all the way to the bottom and, you know, breaks, then, you know, you recoil and you have to wait until, you know, it goes back up before you can move again. So there's like this really interesting push and pull of like, do I, you know, try to avoid an attack to preserve my, my break gauge? Do I try to like just do a regular block, which will deal me some damage, but I won't take as much break damage? Or do I just go straight up soul shield and, uh, you know, try to manage my, my meter so it doesn't break? Um, so there's, a, there's so many really good combat considerations to this game. Cool. Um, and I got on a tangent and don't remember what the initial uh, the initial <laughs> question was. <laughs> um, difficulty. Difficulty. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like when I first played this demo, it was tuned really, really difficultly. It was, like, really, really difficult. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if that's because the, the, the demo was, you know, scaled up to, like, you know, expert level. Sure. But what's nice about it is that there's three difficulties. There's, you know, story, there's uh, action, and then there's, you know, a hard mode. Um, so you can kind of tune that the way you want, and you can change it um, at the beginning of every mission. Oh, nice. So, so yeah, it's it's been pretty, pretty, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's easy, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it's definitely been manageable um, on the action difficulty level. I could probably bump it up higher, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm having a good time on, on action so far. Yeah, it... It's so weird because with this and Elden Ring being kind of right on top of each other, there are definitely moments in Elden Ring where it's like, okay, this is ripping me a new asshole. So <laughs> yeah. having it having it still be challenging while not maybe being quite that level sounds kind of appealing uh, yeah. at this moment for sure. Awesome. Man, it sounds sick. I really, really want to play it. Uh, how are the... You mentioned it, be, it being chapter-based, but like, mm-hmm. are the levels interesting to go through? Like, Visually, are they cool? Do you feel like the the design of, of things is neat that you have interesting challenges. It's definitely, you know, it, it varies. There are definitely some, some really great moments where like you, you go through like a, a cave and there's all kinds of crazy, like glowing coral on the, mm-hmm. on the walls and stuff like that. You go through a lot of caverns in this game. Mm. Um, and a lot of the caverns look very similar. Uh, but then there are moments where like you get out of the cavern and you just get like this really cool vista. Cool. So, you know, it, it's, not the best I've ever seen. It's also not the worst. Uh, it, it could definitely do with a little more variation between its, uh, you know, indoor settings. I would say. Gotcha. Um, and t- I, I I realized I didn't really go over the the boss battles all like you know all that much, but they're 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 really good. Um, I think also what I what I didn't even say is they can do all this co op. So yeah. you know if you're struggling oh, with yeah. something, then you can just bring in a buddy. Is it? Like a souls, like there's signs down and you hit them, or do you no. and just directly invite somebody? Straight okay. up, you okay. know, create that's, a lobby, get someone yeah, in. Yeah, I think that's how Neo handles it as well. Yeah. So cool, 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 cool. Uh, I am super stoked about Triangle Strategy to talk about that. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I think 13 and a half, 14 hours in, something like that. Um, I took a turn on this game where, like, the prologue took me forever to get through because I, I liked it, but it just, everything just felt very slow. Make no mistake, this is a a dense game. Like, it's like, okay, you are going to learn about all of these characters, all of these nations, their, their, their past war history, how that's being applied to right now, what everybody's going through, all these different houses. It is extremely dense, and the prologue has a ton of setup. And so uh, I was talking to Isla about it, uh, maybe on the last frame trap even, where it would be like, 
I would like do a section and I'd be like, okay, like I'm full, right? Like that's, <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's enough. Cause you would be like, I'm going through all of these dialogue scenes and then it's like, maybe I get a little quick battle and then I'm done. Um, Oh yeah, that can be really rough. Yeah. Like, what do you feel like you forget how to play the game at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, it's it. So, I I, I liked it, but it, it I hit this turning point with triangle strategy, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it it kind of like shit kind of hits the fan, and then at least where I am right now, it's like okay, we're we're going, and you get to this point where you're really, despite it being slow and despite it kind of taking a while to get to this point, you're really grateful for when that happens because the stakes feel so incredibly high and you have such a thorough understanding of what's going on. I feel like Triangle Strategy is one of the best developed new worlds that I've seen in a really long time. Like there's, like everything is just so thought out and like Every every culture feels like it's touched upon in an interesting way where it doesn't overdo it, but everything like really has has a like it's just so cohesive. Um, and like I said, once things kind of go, it really doesn't pull its punches emotionally. I feel like like you you get into a battle and you're like, this feels like a like a climactic battle. Like what I'm doing uh, has huge consequence and stakes, um, and that gets me to. One of my favorite things is the the scales of conviction system. Um, and so one of my most frustrating – they're completely different games, but one of my most frustrating aspects of Dying Light 2 is that I I got to this point where I'm like, I feel like my decisions don't matter at all. And like right, maybe yeah. they do technically, like if I go through and be like, okay, this is different or whatever. But the, the game didn't do a good job – making me feel that in the moment. Uh, the choices felt pretty inconsequential. I don't feel that way here. And you're not making, um, like, huge decisions all the time, uh, but I've had two scales of convention things. And the first one was, like, do you want to go to this place or do you want to go to this place? And it's like, wow, that's actually, like, a huge thing because I'm, I'm going on a diplomatic mission, right? And I, I picked S-Frost. And I got to learn all about S-Frost, got to go into its history, and it's like, I just don't get that with this this other place at all. Um, and then, like, the, the next choice I made, which I don't want to spoil, uh, it was like, I'm dealing with, like, the fate of somebody's life, right? And I think what gives the, the decisions an extra layer is when you're doing them, it's not like just you're making the decision or it's not just like Sarah Noah as the main character is making the decision. It's, it's like, okay, everybody has a voice here. My, my, my party um, is like, okay, three of them are on this side of the issue, three of them are on the other side of the issue, and then like one is undecided. And so then what you'll go is you'll, you'll go and you'll talk to them. And if you want to swing things a particular way, you'll try to argue for that, where mm. it's like, hey, I really want to do this. And sometimes what you need to get leverage is you need to go out and explore the town and talk to everybody, and then they'll give you a new piece of information that you can use in your negotiations. And so, you know, it's it's not just a binary, like, oh, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Like, you really feel like you kind of have to get into the issue and explore multiple facets of it and have a, have a really good understanding of it when you do it. Um, and just because you get this new information 
doesn't mean that like they're gonna join your side. Like there have been a couple of times where I'm like, hey, I really want you to do this, and they're like, they're not convinced by your argument. Mm. Um, and so that's pretty cool. I, I have had both things swing in my favor though. Um, and so I wonder if I'll have a, a scales of conviction moment where I want to go one way, but everybody's like, no, we're doing the other thing, uh, which would be really interesting. But yeah. How, how deeply do, do those choices impact your relationship with those characters when you do something that, you know, three of your, your characters wasn't, you know, weren't for? Yeah. Um, does it like, you know, does it cause friction between the characters? Can they like leave your party or? I haven't had that. Uh, I haven't had someone be like, oh, I don't, I'm going to leave your encampment or I don't want to be part of your house's house wolf war. I haven't had that. And I think part of the reason is the framing of the story is like, yes, everybody has a voice and yes, we're going to go with the majority, but you are still like Lord of this house, right? Yeah. Like you still have the highest authority. So like, I may disagree with you with what you're doing, but at the same time, I also trust in your leadership. Mm-hmm. So they kind of frame it that way mm. uh, where it makes sense contextually. That's cool. Yeah. I really want to get into triangle strategy. I just, uh, I've been going nonstop for right. <laughs> for a couple yeah. of months now. Yeah, uh, for sure. Looking forward to to checking it out though. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it visually it sort of has the same uh, style as Octopath Traveler, but I I'm as of right now I like it so much more than Octopath Traveler, and I liked Octopath Traveler. Uh, but I kind of got into this this thing with Octopath Traveler where I'm like, man, I like, I don't care about these stories or these characters that much. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I I feel like kind of this very shallow connection with them. Love the combat, uh, and you know, obviously love it visually. But here, I am so engrossed and invested in the story, and it feels really well told. Um, it's not even like that it's not even like this ultra unique crazy story i think it's just executed so well um and and part of the reason for that is you'll have so you have like this huge map right and you'll have these red dots and it'll be like this is a main story event and you'll do that main story event and then it's like here are these optional scenes that you can see and what's cool about the optional scenes is it will allow you to get a completely different perspective you know, like maybe halfway across the map where it's like, okay, how does, how does this house feeling about it? Or what's the royal family thinking about right now? Hmm. And it, again, like the, it just feels so full and so well thought out where, yeah, not only do you have this main story going on, but you're seeing how different parts of the world are reacting to it. And again, like that's what makes it feel just just so like well thought out and well executed. And what's great is when you do these optional scenes – for the, I feel like for the most part, they're really, really short, where it's just like, we're just going to check in and then we're out. You know, it's not like you do these and you're bogged down in like tons and tons and tons of dialogue. Um, they, they have the good sense to to kind of keep that stuff moving, which is cool. Um, and I haven't even talked about the combat, uh, which is great. Uh, it's It's cool because I feel like it strikes a good line between being challenging and interesting, but not being, like, crazy. Um, and so with the demo, the, the prologue demo, you could carry over uh, progress. And the max level you could get in the demo was level 5. And I was like, well, I might as well just grind and get 
to level five and carry over progress. Like that doesn't seem like it would be too overpowered. And there are these like mental mock battles that you can do, which will give you rewards and help give your characters additional experience outside of the big main battles. And um, what I like about them is I, I feel like I couldn't really abuse them. Like I on stream, I did a few of those battles and it kind of got to diminishing returns mm. where I'm like, I'm not really getting that much experience. I don't right. feel like I can really use these to grind. Um, and just before I came out to do the show, I did a, a battle and I was like under leveled. Um, it was recommending level 11 and a lot of my units were like level nine or below. I think I had one level 10. And so I was like, how is this going to feel? Like, am I going to get absolutely crushed? Like, do I really need to grind out these couple of levels? And it's like, no, like I just played, you know, decently enough that the 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 tactics that I were using was was more important than the raw numbers. And I feel like it really tries mm-hmm. to emphasize how well you play with this currency system where it's like, okay, if you have two characters flank a person, they'll get a follow-up attack and you'll get a reward for that. Mm-hmm. If you do a backstab, you'll get a reward from that. If you attack from a safe spot, from a high ground, you'll get a reward from that. And so there are all these things um, that help out with that. And then that's that's like currency that you can use to buy special items. And so it's like, oh, I want to do well. I want to understand the mechanics of this game and, and utilize them so I can buy these things. They, they'll like, they're like powers that you can use. I forget what they're called, but like you can heal a unit or guarantee a critical hit. And I always forget to use them. Like I, <laughs> I, I have them, or I at least have one, but I always forget to use them in the battle, uh, which is kind of frustrating. Um. There isn't a job system. Isla keep has asked me about that. And um, I feel like that could be a negative for some people, but I think that the characters are all like pretty well defined and interesting that I, I it hasn't bothered me. Um, I feel like they all have sufficient strengths and weaknesses. Is there uh, like good progression way. of their skills if there's not uh, a job system? Like, does it do you, you level up in this? Yeah, game? Yeah, you I level imagine. up. Yep, yep, yep. You level up, and then um, as you level up, you'll get new abilities. Mm-hmm. And then, like, once you hit level ten, it's like, oh, I can promote my unit to the next tier. But okay. to do that, I have to have this special item, right? And so it's like, I can't do it to everybody immediately. I have mm-hmm. to make sure I have this this medal of, of bravery going forth. But yeah, I, I worry and suspect that because there's so much, so many great things coming out and so many big games like Elden Ring and uh, Horizon and even like Gran Turismo 7, I feel like Triangle Strategy is kind of getting slept on. Right. And like, I think it's much better than people realize. And I... I almost feel like maybe the prologue is working against it because it's like this is like the slowest and most boring part of the game. Mm. But if you like keep pushing past that, it gets pretty amazing. Like I'm I'm super high on this game. Like I think it's it's really good. It does take patience. It is a commitment. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. Um, like I know I know like Fire Emblem is so popular and so beloved, and I, I feel like in a lot of ways. This meets that level of quality, uh, which is really cool. Nice. Check it out. Uh, it is time for the sizzle. Mitch, have you seen the Batman? I'm not. Do you have any interest in it? Yeah, um, okay. actually, I'm planning on seeing it with uh, with my wife and a couple of her friends at like a drive-in. Actually, nice. Nice. So, uh, Never been to a drive-in. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, well, this is inspired by the Batman. Uh, go check out our spoiler mode. Uh, it was myself, Damiani, Huber, and Isla. It was a super fun discussion. I had a great time. Uh, we all had a great time, I think, because we love that movie. Uh, but this is inspired by that. Who is your favorite live-action Batman? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, for me, it's got to go to, you know, the Batman that I think was in the, the best movies. And for me, that's Christian Bale. Yeah. Also, I, I think that was like, you know, a, a really good change coming from like the, the Joel Schumacher uh, Batman movies. Like just that that like contrast between the Batman from those movies and like the Batman that we got in uh, what? Uh, God, I forgot what the first one was called. Dark Knight Returns. Oh, Batman Begins. Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like that contrast between uh, between those two Batmans, uh, it really, it really like you know sold me on like this is how like a Batman movie can and should be. Mm. Um, and then you know going to Dark Knight, which I just think is one of the best you know superhero movies of all time. It is incredible. Um, yeah, yeah it's, for me, it's Christian Bale. Nice. Blood, are you undecided? Um. Yeah, it's weird because it's like when I think of the you know the the one that like really sticks out as my favorite, it like it actually would be the the animated series. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. that's that's the real answer. Is I, <laughs> Kevin comes Conroy down is, to it. Yeah, Kevin Conroy is like, my only, favorite. Every as well, every but... other one is like there's something that just feels yeah. a little bit off yeah. here. No, I I do. Yeah. I feel like Kevin Conroy just crushes it. But yeah. I think like the Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne is really good, but I don't like the Christian Bale Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Robin Pattinson, like, it's weird. Like, I like that movie, but, like, I'm not sure, like, how I feel about anyone as a specific character. Like, when I just put them in, like, in a bubble, and, like, I don't know if I like that exactly. Like, I don't know if I like Riddler exactly, but somehow as a movie, like, the whole thing just works. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, it could be the honeymoon phase for me, and, like, I'd be interested in revisiting this, like, a year from now. It's Pattinson? I think it's Pattinson. Wow. I think it is. I, I think... It's a really good arc there to his character, there's, that's for sure. There's an amazing arc to his character, and he it, it definitely feels different than I I, I I expected the Batman to feel. He it, it, there's the qualities that he has and the ways that he expresses himself uh, is is very unique and fresh. But I think as a performance, I think he really crushes it. Not only just like. In the more like subdued dialogue scenes, but in the action scenes as well, I think he really brings a viciousness. Mm-hmm. To I, the I got fighting. that from the trailer. Yeah, I think I think that really pushes him over the edge to me. I also think he does a great job of interacting with Selena Kyle. Um, we really don't get a lot of him as Bruce Wayne, and so I I, I can't even really incorporate the Bruce Wayne element of it in it. But right, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think. Maybe the like the difference to me in a way is, you know, compared to Christian Bale and Robert Pattinson, I feel like Michael Keaton and Kevin Conroy like there's a there's more of a like a maturity mm. to Batman in, in in those instances. You know, it's like the Batman he's he like he's a detective. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's got his act together. Whereas, like, these guys are still sort of in crisis mode. Yeah. They're still just like, I'm so I'm so screwed up. I'm so freaked out. I'm just going to go out there and do what I can. Yeah. Whereas, like, no, like, Kevin Conroy is in control. Yes. He has times when he struggles with things. It's not like one note. Right. But 
he he yeah he he's established himself really well. That's that's what I'm interested to see about Pattinson. You know, as this yeah. continues, is the, ne- the next movie is yeah. he is he gonna how well is that transition gonna go from less experienced to more experienced, uh, and how will he be able to handle that? I'm very curious. That movie is great. You're in for a good time. I can't wait. I'm really excited. It, yeah. I've actually heard like surprisingly mixed things about it for the most part. Really, but like it's it's almost like. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Like this is, you know, the the greatest Batman movie I've ever seen. Mm. Batman was trash. <laughs> so really, I'm I'm really interested to to see pretty where crazy I fall car on chase. It. Yeah. Oh, the car yeah. chase is amazing. Um, I I guess I haven't really been paying that much attention to the online conversation. I didn't realize there was a backlash. And I I don't know if it's like you know the Reddit you know the consensus. It's just uh, like you know people that I follow on Twitter who gotcha. have, like posted their hot takes. So. Huh. Yeah, I, I would say it. more people, I can't imagine more people like it, it than not. Yeah. Um, I almost never uh, go see a movie twice in a the theater. I would love to see this again. Yeah. But I also I, I also fucking adore Batman, like to a point where like maybe that's coloring my, my perception of things. I don't know. <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity, Mitch, what's your favorite superhero? Spider-Man. It's a good choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually, I was a junior counselor at a, at a, a summer camp, and my camp name was Spidey. Nice. That's <laughs> sick. Um, this is brought to you by some wonderful shout out tier patrons. Um, for this one, I thought we would do a Batman voice. Seems appropriate. Actually, I have written down here "Stranger of Paradise." <laughs> if you want to do like a chaos thing, I don't know what would be more I interesting. Feel like it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> jacket, okay, so do Batman, Batman or Stranger of Paradise. <laughs> uh, once I get done. Reading all these names. Shout out to L. Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Nick, Raymond Wheeler the Third, and Zat Voon Doot. Shout out. Swear to me. Swear to I'm <laughs> I'm vengeance. Zat one doot is the Zat Von Doot? One. Like a oh. W sound rather than a V sound, even though it's My yeah. bad. Yeah. That one's throwing me for a loop. For sure. <laughs> it wasn't even like he put the explanation and like, really? Okay. That's fun yeah. to say. Um, man, there are lines in the Batman that I feel like should be horrible, but I feel like they're delivered well enough in context where I'm like, yeah, that worked. Kind of like we were saying where it's like, yeah, this, 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 how, this works. Uh, Blood, you've been playing Asura's Wrath on Blood Pact. <laughs> and... Uh, that is a game I have a tremendous fondness for, but I feel like it's it's also been like so incredibly long yeah. uh, since I've played it. So I'm curious how it holds up. Yeah, speaking of Angry Boys, <laughs> <laughs> number yeah. one Angry Boy. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure true. Yeah, uh, I've definitely again like if people have watched like all of our stuff, I'm probably going to repeat myself a bit. But it's the the thing that like stuck out to me the most is. Like, you hear all the time, you know, people talk about, like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's like playing an anime or whatever. Yeah. And, and like, sure, like, that makes sense to me, just, like, from a distance. Like, yeah, it's like playing an anime. Like, you know, it's Naruto team, all that stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I actually got into this. <laughs> yeah. I've been like, oh, my gosh. They just emulated every single beat. Next episode previews. Anime <laughs> yes. Title cards. Title cards. It's like commercial breaks. <laughs> like just everything. They're like repeating scenes when a new chapter starts. So good. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's it's got some, you know, it's got some 
you know, gigantic scale. I knew about the gigantic scale before because I had done previews and stuff <laughs> for it. But yeah, just oh man, does it have scale? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. But just yeah, like this, like the fact that like tens of thousands of years pass between one chapter and another. Yeah. <laughs> like you still fight when you're like your arms have been ripped off. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're just gonna headbutt now. That's fine. <laughs> um, I remember the 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 combat like in the 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 more brawly like just fighting a bunch of dudes combat being like the most forgettable part of that entire game. Yeah, it's. I wouldn't say the most forgettable. The most forgettable to me is like the kind of like shooting gallery thing where you're just oh, kind of like sure. spamming the screen That's and like fair. waiting for lock ons. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So like the regular combat, it's just like it's it's all right. Like it it's the good thing is it's like it's not too challenging, so you you can't get that annoyed with it. It is is really just like a popcorn kind of game, mm-hmm. and so it's like okay, yeah, yeah, hit this, hit this. Okay, watch for the counter. You know, and then, yeah, you like so you so you kind of learn some tells. You kind of dodge out of the way here and there. And, and there's a couple of points when, like, okay, there's a, a boss battle where I got to take a couple of tries. But most of the time, it's just, you're just watching. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You're just, like, waiting, and, like, you, you get that burst. And it's like, yes. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because, like, I know, like, the quick time events for, like, one of the things that, you know, is criticized is because you spend so much time in cutscenes and but I, doing I quick time like... events. But it's just, like, this is all, it, like, actually feels like reward the, the in this game. quick time events are honestly, like, my favorite part of that game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, are you, you know, outside of the, the ridiculousness, because the game is very ridiculous, are you finding yourself... Like invested in the story? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you you kind of, yeah, just seeing where things like it's again, it's a it's like total filler popcorn kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it's yeah. I didn't go into you know that first stream thinking that I was gonna do a full playthrough. I was like, oh yeah, here's a thing I haven't played, just been sitting on my shelf. Yeah. You know, and then once I got done with that first three hours, I'm like, well, how long is this game? I think we can do this. I <laughs> yeah. think we can figure this out. I don't yeah. I don't think it's that long. Yeah. Um make sure you do the DLC. Yeah, I, yeah. I did yeah, I did download the DLC, okay. which is, the, is this is a process well, now. Well, there's that. No, but like the <laughs> DLC like finishes yeah, finishes another, the story. Yeah. basically another like yeah. pretty controversial quarter back of the, the day. game, yeah. As it should be. That's bullshit. But yeah. this is one of the hilarious things you have to do now with the PS3 because they've shut off credit card payments. Oh man. So you have to um go to the PlayStation Store on the PC. Well, first you have to go to the PS3, check the price. Then go to the store on the PC, on the browser, load in that amount of money into your wallet, oh, and man. then you can buy with the wallet you currency. Yeah. You can't load on the PS3 itself. You have to do it on the PC store. Right. Yeah, because they shut off Damn. credit cards. Because I so. need to... It, the the That store, it's closing down in like May, right? No, I think they. I think they reversed they've, they've, the they've, they've closing it. down thing, but they did turn off credit okay. cards. Because yeah. I need to make sure. You're thinking of the Switch, or not that Switch, the the Wii U and the 3DS, 3DS okay. that are yeah, those are going to start losing payments. I just I love the the PS1 and PS2 classics so much. I at some point I yeah. need to I need to make sure like because I've I've gotten a lot of them, but I need to make sure like okay, do I have everything that I, I want get from Third this? Strike? Yeah. You got to get Marvel's Capcom two. Well, see that's the other thing that's, <laughs> the, that's the other annoying Xbox, side yeah. of the process is yeah. because you can't just buy it on the browser because they don't list the PS3 games on the browser. Yeah, so yeah, which to, is super annoying. You yeah. have to load the money and then go to the PS3 and then download the game. And the PS3 store is so yeah. slow and bad and 
yeah, it's not. It was great. really funny getting back into that and like, fr- like trying to remember what the whole process is, the interface, because it, it, it like even when you say download in background, it doesn't actually download in background. Because <laughs> I I bought the DLC and then I did a whole stream and then like it said like seventeen percent downloaded and I'm like oh, so I guess you haven't been doing this while I played the game. <laughs> Well, and then the PS3 does that weird thing where it's like if you download it in the background, you, it's still a bubble that you have to install. Right, you have to afterwards. install it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm glad we've improved some things <laughs> since the PS3 days, man. We've come a long way. Holy cow! Yeah, how far are you in Asura's Wrath at the moment? I th- I think I just have a couple of chapters left in the base game, and then it's on to the DLC. I feel like this is this is a game that was criminally criminally overlooked, um, and it's definitely one that I would love to see. Just a re-release for just to get more oh, people's it eyeballs ru- on it. It runs bad. Oh boy! It's like screen tearing to the max, and the frame rate is not I, great. I do remember yeah. the frame rate not being great. I played it on 360, and I don't remember. I think the 360 the, might actually be, be a better version, but okay, I don't know I don't, for sure. I don't remember, the, but I could just be forgetting. It's been ages. I haven't seen that much screen tearing in a console game in a long time. Oh boy! <laughs> and you can't just like turn on VSync. Yeah, uh, yeah. That Capcom, come on. Release that game. God, I remember I did an interview with uh, one of the directors at CyberConnect 2, um, and I told him how much of a fan of, of Asura's Wrath I was. And he was like, it was like almost heartbreaking. It was like, oh, not many other people were. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, please. Yeah. Like, do do something else that you're like, you're. I know that they're, they're really good at doing these licensed anime games. Like, the Demon Slayer game is great. The Naruto games are great. They're the masters. I always say this. They are the masters of anime spectacle. There's so much passion in Asura's Wrath that you can just feel. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. can just feel, like, you know, oozing from every scene. And I just, I want to see CyberConnect 2 be able to, if not a, rem- a remaster or a remake or a sequel or, or something, something new. Right. But that, I, I do know, think that part of it thing. as well, though, is that, you know, like that, that sort of gimmick of being an anime episode, like if you don't have that point of reference, like the whole game is lost on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like you have no idea why all this stuff is happening, why they keep rolling credits over and over, you know. I'd be curious, though, because I I think Asura's Wrath just maybe hit at the wrong time, whereas now I think games are, are so consumed on streaming. And I actually think this is a game that mm. you could successfully stream to a large audience and have it be interesting and, and enticing just because of how insane things get. Yeah I, yeah, I wonder how it would do nowadays. I don't know. Is the Demon Slayer game great? It is. Yeah. You're making me want to check it out. Legitimately, it's great. Okay, all right. <laughs> I just watched uh, Mugen Train, so I'm definitely... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, man. we recently yeah. just caught up on season two. Yeah. Okay. The uh, the entertainment arc? Yeah. How is that? Because I'm, I'm going to dig into cool. it. I, it's cool. It's one of those anime things where it's like, oh, this doesn't... This doesn't really move as far as I thought it would. It's like, mm. oh, okay, this whole season is just here pretty much. Um, whereas the first season had so much going on, you yeah. Know, uh, so it's a little uh, to that, to that end. It's like, oh, we didn't move as far forward in the story as I thought we would, mm. but I still really enjoyed it. The Entertainment District arc, like it, probably around like you know episode eight. I'm like, this is the best Demon Slayer has ever been. And then ep- the episode nine comes out. I'm like, how did how did it top it? Episode ten comes out. Like it's still topping itself. Holy shit! <laughs> it just it keeps on getting better and better until I think there's like a. a just an amazing finale for that arc. God damn it. Because I, I had been meaning to watch Mugen Train for forever, and I finally got around to it, and I was like, 
Oh, I wasn't expecting you to be emotionally devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, don't want to get into to spoilers, but boy, one particular character at the end, and everybody's <laughs> just crying those big anime tears. You're just like, oh my god! It's, yeah, it, the it's the game me. the game does a really really good job of of retelling the anime in the same way that they do a really good job with Naruto. So mm. yeah, like uh, how much recommend. how much does the game cover i think huber said it, it was covers up to mugen train okay yep. yeah that's what i thought yeah because demon slayer is doing this super annoying thing where like there's the mugen train movie which i have watched but then there's also uh they have it in episodic form and i from my understanding is a lot of it is just the movie cut up but there is some new stuff and so it's like okay do i need to watch the episodes as well, or am I fine with just the movie? I hate decisions. <laughs> oh. Just watch yeah, the movie. I just watched, yeah, I just watched yeah. the episodes. Oh, yeah. you watched the episodes? You didn't watch the movie. So right. You, okay. Yeah, it's basically the same. Okay, okay. Have you watched Jujutsu uh, Kaisen? No, but the movie's <laughs> coming out soon. And watch, I hear the movie. I've seen it. I've seen it. I saw a uh, advanced screener. Watch Jujutsu Kaisen. How if many you- seasons of... There's only one season right okay. now. Season two is coming in 2023. If you've not seen Jujutsu Kaisen, please watch the movie. It's a prequel, and it totally sets up you know what? the first season. I think I, I think amazing. I might binge that before getting into the entertainment arc. I think you've sold me. It's so good. Yeah. I love. I love. I love modern shonen anime. We've come a long way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've because let's see, the movie's out. I think in the 18th, and that'd be. I haven't gone to an anime movie in a long time. It'd be fun to go to. That's all. I'm also got so many reviews. <laughs> Fuck. I feel you. Things are a little tight right now. All right. I feel you. Uh, Mitch. Yeah. Let's talk about King of Fighters 15, a long overdue discussion. I feel really bad. I have not played uh, King of Fighters 15 in quite some time. Mm-hmm. I haven't even played it online, but it it is a game that when I have played it, I've really enjoyed it. Um and I know you reviewed it for IGN. Mm-hmm. What was what was your takeaway? Somebody who plays a shit ton of fighting games. Uh, it's so I play a lot of fighting games, but this is actually like the first King of Fighters King of Fighters game that I've really tried to get into mm-hmm. on a m- more than casual level. Yeah, um, and I like it. It's it's uh, it's not what I was super expecting. Um, Interesting. I I expected it to be like really really technically difficult. Um, and like with really, really tight, uh, like combo windows. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't really think it's that like most of the, most of like the crazy, you know, life bar deleting combos that, uh, that you can do in that game. I feel like relatively easy to, to do. It's just a matter of like knowing the system and knowing what combos into what combos into what combos into what, and you just kind of, you need the meter to be able to do it. It's Um, interesting that you say that because I don't necessarily disagree with you mm-hmm. but i also think you're coming from the perspective of somebody who sure. has fighting game fundamentals understands how these games work understand sure. like how to perform these actions i wonder i i don't think that that would be true with somebody sure. less adept i i wouldn't i wouldn't like recommend this as a first time fighting game over something like guilty or strive or mm-hmm. you know over, like fantasy strike, obviously, um, it is. It is kind of one of those things that you do kind of have to have that extra level of fundamentals to to be able to really understand. Um, they do auto combos, uh, which I think I, I say this in the review. I think they're actually detrimental to new players because they reinforce bad habits. Yeah. Um, 
the, the, I feel like the damage scaling on the auto combos is like so intense that it's like you, like don't you don't even need the, like <laughs> it, it, the, you can you can you yeah. can't do like half damage combos with auto combos, but you could do more than that for not much harder execution. I, I just feel like the 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 addition of the auto combos is so limp here that it's like I don't I don't think you need this. I don't think yeah. you need it. Hmm. I I mean I'm I'm of the opinion we should just get rid of auto combos in every fighting game, but. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I to 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 bounce off of that. I think King of Fighters 15 is so much fun to play. Yeah. Um, and and like you, I'm by no means a King of Fighters 15 expert. I, I've definitely tried to dig more into this than than other King of Fighters like you have, um, and it's been a, a blast. But like, I'm so frustrated because it's like I feel like only a small window of people can really appreciate this, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, like there. The tutorials, I feel like, are basically non-existent. Like, this does Mm. not do a great job of getting you to understand the things that make this game cool. Yeah. Um, It does not. (laughs) Because even, even, like, certain, like, fighting game things that that it it doesn't follow. Like, you you don't really do, like, lights into heavies into supers. It's like you do... You know, you do you do like a heavy into a command normal into a thing. Like even just like the way basic things chain together, I think you could do a better job of explaining how yeah. that works because there are similarities between the characters, and once you start to see those threads, I think it makes it easier to learn things. Yeah, it. I think fighting games need to go away from just explaining what things do, and just kind of like be a person talking to me and telling me what, you know, what any of this means. Uh, you know, instead of telling me that, you know, uh, a, a medium kick, you know, press press medium kick. Okay, move on to the heavy kick. Okay, right. wait, but wait. What should I do with a medium kick? Like, right. This mm-hmm. is a spacing tool. This is something that you should use in the, in the neutral to poke. Mm-hmm. This is something that you can use and go into a, a max cancel and, you know, get a get a free combo off of. Yeah. It needs stuff like that. It needs It needs to go beyond... Just you know, surface level. This is what the move does. Right. And King of Fighters does not do that. Yeah. Guilty Gear Strive, I think, does actually do a pretty good job. Yeah, of, the mission of mode. explaining the right. context of why you want to do each thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Guilty Gear Strive, I think, it's, it's it sets so many benchmarks that I just I hope you know future fighting games look at and you know realize, hey, that's a good idea. There is something to King of Fighters 15 though that 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 I find appealing where like it, it almost feels like a fighting game from a different era mm-hmm. where like it is pretty rigid and traditional when it comes to modes and things like tutorials. Uh, and and I, I described it to I think it was Isla where I was like, this is a fighting game fans fighting game. Mm-hmm. And like if you already have that knowledge i think just mechanically it's so ridiculously fun and this game just kind of has this mentality of like i don't know man just like do it like do you want to cancel a super into a bigger super you can go for it um and i i I think that that freedom uh is is pretty liberating and i think the characters like for having such a large roster so many of the characters are so much fun where like I was just going through and, and playing as many people as I could. And I was like, I like almost everybody. Right. <laughs> and I still think the, the, the King of Fighters setup, right. Where you pick a team of three, uh, 
and then you have to go through each person's team of three individually. I still think that setup is like really unique and special and fun uh, in the current landscape of fighting games. What I really love about that, uh, you know, the the trios, but it's not like a it's basically three one on one matches um, that you you mm-hmm. do. Um, instead, they're being you know tag assist, which I like. I like tag fighting games. They're a little overwhelming for me. Um, Same, yeah. But what I really, really like about the the format of having three one on one fights is that it allows for these really great comebacks and mm-hmm. like this feeling that you're not even though you're you're one against you know half a half of a you know lead character on the other team and then their other two characters because of the way that it's structured, if you smartly reserve your your uh, your super meter, you can absolutely make that comeback happen. Like you know, the damage that you can do with with seven bars of meter or whatever in this game is absurd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it it really has that feeling of like you're never out of the game, and I you know really I, I think it makes it really fun to watch. Like we're gonna see some hype matches yeah. at Evo this year for. Oh Fighters man, it is gonna game. be really fun to watch. <laughs> you're so right about that. Um, yeah, t- touching on that, I, I think the other thing that is interesting, right, is, like, you think about a traditional fighting game, the process of learning, right? And it's like, okay, well, I want to play everybody, but I think I'm best with this person, so I'm going to stick with this person. You really grind it out. And it's like, you can't do that here. It's like, you need a, you need three individual fighters mm, yeah. uh, that you need to, to practice with. And that becomes interesting because it's like, well, I'm not equally good with all three of them and mm-hmm. then so like how you work around those shortcomings and where you place them i think strategically uh is just really cool yeah i think what you what, you, what i've done basically i i my team is basically Blueberry, cronin and terry and i kind of approach it like okay here's what i want to do with Blueberry. i want to you know do as much damage as, as i can with using as little uh, meter as I can, and Blue Mary's good, good, good at that because she has really good mix-ups. She's confusing; people don't know how to deal with her with her grabs and stuff. Um, then once I get to Cronin, I'm just like, okay, well, I got good spacing, I got good damage if I if I need it. And then when I get to Terry, it's just like, all right, I'm gonna empty every single bar that I have and just nuke this person if I get one touch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I Cronin is is a good character to bring up because. He has like what, like three special moves, right? Like he's very he's, easy. He's got to... like, yeah, he's got the the fireball. He's yeah. got the the DP, and he's got a jumping slash. That's yeah, it. he he's a fun character, but he's a basic character, and I, I feel like because the the roster is so big, like there there really is somebody for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. It depends on like what you're looking for, how you want to play, um, and I think that that's so cool. Boy, you mentioned Terry, I I feel like I always gravitate to Terry. And I was like, I was adamant with King of Fighters 15 where I'm like, I love Terry, but I feel like it's playing Ryu all the time. Like, I need to branch out. I need to not pick Terry. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to mess around with Terry and train him on a little bit. And then I walked away from that experience being like, I damn it, I got to use Terry. I not play Terry. He's so fucking cool that, like, I need to play him. There's just something about him that I love so much. Uh, yeah, he's definitely, definitely played Terry. Um. Buster Wolf also just one of the coolest, you know, simple supers in in, in fighting games. <laughs> uh, so online, how how have you been finding matches? Has it been like you've been playing against KOF gods that are just like impossible to overcome? Or? Uh, I would say it's not not so much. I mean, it, it does use a, a ranking system where like you know if you want to 
rise up through those ranks and you know fight those KOF gods. You gotta not lose. Yeah. Um, and I lose. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so I feel like the the matchmaking has been you know fairly successful in putting me against people that you know I don't just immediately destroy and don't immediately destroy me. That's exactly what you want. Um, yeah. Has the quality of the connections been okay? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, they had a beta when they first came out when they, they their first beta was really rough and it was like alarmingly bad um but then i think they had a, a second beta and that was much better and then this one yeah I, i've been playing people across the country and you know not you know it's not it's not perfect i don't think it's as good as guilty gear strives netcode but it you know is certainly functional and yeah. uh you know i can get you know if i play 10 matches i would say eight to nine of them are are good no issues. I, I'm i kind of terrified with KOF 15 uh, because I feel like this happens all the time with fighting games uh, where, like, even even the most dedicated people, right, like a lot of professionals, like, watching them stream, they will move from game to game. Is I, I feel like a lot of fighting games, like, they just get a very brief moment in the sun. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks. Like, Samurai Showdown is a, is a really mm. cool game in a lot of ways. And it absolutely has problems. Not the least of which is its netcode. Uh, but, you know, it just it just comes and goes. And that's just one example. I feel like there are so many examples of, of things where, like, people kind of play them and they're hyped for a minute. And then they pretty much never get talked about again. That's why I'm so excited uh, for Grand Blue Fantasy versus... Um, to get some attention at Evo. But yeah, I think I think KOF 15 is really cool and really fun, and I would love to see it um, last uh, yeah. longer. And I, I, I know that uh, in in like Latin America countries, like it's 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 huge. Uh, but with that and, and with everybody, I, I would love for it to stick around for a while. Yeah, I think with any fighting game now. You gotta you gotta take like the mid tier player and convert them to to high tier. Right. Um, you can't you can't just go after the casual person, and you know, get them in because they're not gonna they're not gonna stick with it. Right. I, that's what I was just going to say. Like the nature of being casual is that you will pick up a drive. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. That's not yeah. an insult. But yeah, I I totally agree. I think there's a segment of people that want to put in the time, but just. There, there's something in the way of, of them getting to that point. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's where we come back to, you know, better tutorials, better netcode. You got you to gotta give people who are at that mid-level reason to keep playing. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, KOF's netcode will, will do that. Um, I do think they really need a better training mode. <laughs> yeah. Or better, better tutorial, better onboarding. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to keep talking about fighting games on the Hotake... Uh, because we have two games very much on the horizon, and they they're they are gigantic to the point where like I think both of them could kind of shape fighting games for this generation and in completely different ways. Uh, but that is uh, Street Fighter Six and Mortal Kombat Twelve. Mm -hmm. And the simple question is, what do you want to see out of these games? Uh, Blood, as somebody who does not play fighting games as fervently, right. uh, but I know you really love Street Fighter. I don't know, I guess, how you feel about Mortal Kombat, but I know you really love Street Fighter. Like, what, what is something that would excite you? Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's hard because it's, it's just one of those things of, like you're saying, like just getting the time to, to, to actually dig into something outside of a stream or, or something like that. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, you know, and like I, you know, I was like on the edge, like, oh, maybe I should grab Guilty Gear, you know, and I like never got around to it. Um, and like when we played King of Fighters, like I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. You know, I enjoy every time that we do bring something in there. I just never really have that time to, you know, to pick it up outside of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of what you're saying about, you know, having good training modes, good ways of of acclimating you to those sorts of things. Um, and then, you know, I, I think, I think in a way maybe like, I think what like the, the funny things about like the original like street fighter and Mortal Kombat games is they had those sort of like intermission moments, you know, they're like, yeah. Oh my car. And, and stuff yeah. like that. And I really, th- I think that there's some way to leverage that sort of like, I'm just goofing off right now, but actually you're not. You think you're goofing off, but you're, it's actually teaching you something and you just don't realizing it. Uh, and so I think that's something that, you know, that perhaps, you know, could come up uh, with with Street Fighter or something where it's like, okay, the, the way to actually maximize your damage on this is actually like giving you the, the motions and the repetition for something that you're going to need as a fundamental. Yeah, I think that's, that's an excellent point, Blood, because on the podcast, I think I, I talked about the, like different modes that could engage people in different ways. And, and I, I do think that that is true and something worth having. But I think you're really onto something pretty brilliant where it could even just be these micro moments to break up the fights. And it, it, even if it's just something like, a, like okay, like Dan is going to teach you how to parry, try to do that five times, you know? And maybe it takes 30 seconds to do, but you're like, okay, like that's that's a skill that maybe I, I got just to like a smidge better at. Yeah. And they, sure. they kind of actually do that in Street Fighter 3 with like the basketball mini game where you have mm. to parry the basketballs that, you know, Sean shoots at you. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely a, a great thing that Street Fighter has kind of forgotten about and they should definitely, you know, bring it back. Yeah. Um, it, Street Fighter is so frustrating to me because I genuinely believe that it is not only one of the, the the greatest and most endearing casts in all of fighting games, but really in all of video games. I mean, like, like those characters are so hilariously iconic and so universally beloved, and I just don't feel like they do enough with them, right? And you think mm-hmm. about the, the the premise of Street Fighter, right? World Warriors, right? Like, why why is it not, like, even just like, it doesn't have to be open world or anything like that, but, like, really make it feel like you're going to a new place, right? Like, if I go all the way over to, like, India or Russia, like, find a way to, like, let me soak in the culture a little bit more or, or have it be a little bit more of a, a spectacle than just, like, just a new stage. I think there's something there that could be tapped into. What I think Street Fighter really needs, and I'm going to take a cue from Mortal Kombat, I'm going to, like, compare it to Mortal Kombat. You, you, th- you look at Sub-Zero. What do you know about, like, what, do, what does a Mortal Kombat fan know about Sub-Zero? Sub-Zero is a Lin Kuei, uh, he's a member of the Lin Kuei. They're, uh, he, you know, his younger brother, uh, you know, basically took over the mantle of him. He's got this intense rivalry with Scorpion that, you know, involves all this stuff with Quan Chi and, you know, him manipulating Scorpion. And there's, like, there's so much going on with Sub-Zero. Look at Ryu. What, do you, what can you tell me about Ryu? He's a strong boy who likes to fight. Yeah, he's got a he's got a rivalry with uh, with Ken. 
there's some evil thing going on with him, the Satsuri Nahado. Right. There, there's and there's that, stuff that, going on it. there, but it doesn't really right. they don't really bring it to the forefront. Yeah, yeah. There's no like, you know, tangible narrative, I feel like, going going forward with Ryu that's mm-hmm. referenced, you know, in, in various Street Fighter games. So what I would like to see Street Fighter Six do is, you know, be that origin point. Like let's let's do a story mode that really goes through each of these characters and tells us what they're all about. Yeah. I wanna know more about Chun Li than she's you know, she's a a policeman or mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, more about Cammy than she was brainwashed by Bison at one time. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think something you know people have talked up and down about how good and well presented the the Netherrealm story modes are, and they they are. But I think something that is important to them is they're they're also really focused. Where mm-hmm. it's like we are going to focus on these characters, and not every character is going to be as important because we want to just tell a compelling story, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I think with Street Fighter Six, I I would like to see that approach as well. Even if it was something as like okay, we're pretty much just going to focus on like Ryu or Ken or Ryu and Luke or whoever, but like really give you like an anchor or something to latch onto, really delve into them. I think that could be really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, just from a, a mechanics perspective, uh, you know, I, I trust Capcom to come up with something something new that, you know, ends up being Street Fighter Six's hook. I don't I yeah. don't really know what I want that to be, but you know, Street Fighter Three had the parries, Street Fighter Four had the focus attacks, Street yeah. Fighter Five has V reversals and V skills. And uh yeah, I I'm sure Street Fighter Six will come up with something something interesting for us to you know sink our teeth into. Yeah, like I I could talk about like uh, stuff surrounding the mechanics of Street Fighter Six, but I, I had this moment where I was like, oh, Street Fighter Six is going to get announced. I was like, what do I want them to do? And I like mechanically, and I was like, boy, I can't I can't think of anything. I can't imagine what they feel like, right? Where you have it's Street hard. Fighter has been going on for so long, right? And there's there there are certain basic thing like you can't have a street fighter game without fireballs and dragon punches right so like on on a fundamental level there are some things you need but like beyond that what do you do like what what is the thing what is the hook for the new street fighter like you have to have supers right you have to have ex attacks add roman cancels i guess <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean i wouldn't be against it yeah roman cancels i think are the coolest thing in fighting games but <laughs> yeah I, it's just cuz i i feel like they will want to appeal to a broader audience as well, and so I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what there's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um, I f- this might be a hot take because I do enjoy playing Mortal Kombat 11. I really, really do. I had a great time with it. I think it's too basic. Like I almost mm. think it's too stripped down. Where, like. It's just like okay, like this is what this character does, and you just kind of do like. I, I I felt limited in a way. I'd like to see it opened up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know necessarily how. Yeah. But. I mean, one of the things I've I've kind of thought of for the past couple of years with Mortal Kombat is that, like I, I feel like it's limited by its own hook because the gore being such an emphasis. Mm. I I feel like it's like oh you've got that shock value, but then after you watch a bunch of matches, it's like okay now that's just a thing you want to skip. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's such a shame because, like, there is something magical, like, the first time you see all of those fatalities. Yeah. You're like, wow, they, they really put in a ton of effort to this. These are really cool. And the Fatal Blows, too. Yeah, the Fatal Blows as well. It's a good thing to bring up. And then um, 
Aftermath added French friendships in Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, like, all that stuff is super fun, and I think essential to the game. But I, I definitely reached this point with Mortal Kombat where I'm like, boy, I wish there was more than two fatalities for this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, you, you do. You you get really sick of it, and you're like, yeah, I never need to see that again. It, it has no appeal anymore. Yeah. 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 And, I, I'm, like, I know it's, like, tough to pull that off, but, like, in a way, I, I think part of that would be, it's like, even if it's not a different input, just have um, other things, other options, other cutscenes that play mm. for you know this you know fatality. Call it, it the same thing, but make it do something kind of different. I do think brutalities in Mortal Kombat are really cool because the whole premise of brutality is like, oh, you'll get the special finisher, special way to end the match, but you have to fulfill a specific condition. And that's cool because there are moments where you're like, oh, I want to end them with the the brutality, so I'm going to change the way that I play. I really like that. I wonder if you could extend that philosophy to fatalities because, like, the way fatalities work is just like, okay, you won. Do you want to input the command? If it could maybe be uh, a little bit more contextual beyond stage fatalities of, like, oh, like, you did this special thing and so – that's the only way you can get this special fatality to to maybe make it a little bit more rare and yeah. uh, more exciting when you see maybe it. maybe know. like you know you did this special move against the wall so you yeah. get this this thing or you did this yeah. one you know at this specific spot and they kind of had have a little bit of that with uh, some of like the stage brutalities but yeah I, I I can totally see that I think Mortal Kombat 12 has a really really uh, tough tough job to to, to overcome here. In that, you know, with Injustice, Mortal Kombat X, and Mortal Kombat 11, they've kind of been, like, you know, iterating upon this this thing of, of character, custom, like, character variations, character customizations. To the point in, like, Mortal Kombat 11, you could c- totally, you know, customize your own version of, of your character yeah. with all kinds of special moves, you know, that someone else might not even play with who uses the same character. You can totally changed the uh their look um so like there's nowhere I, I i don't know where else there is to go with that system and also i don't know how they can remove themselves from that system because they they've kind of gotten so attached to it with injustice and, and mortal Kombat, the last three mortal Kombat games I, um i do feel like the the character customization is something where another realm just super excels like the the, yeah. the, the the variety in how much you can change your characters is really cool and the fact that you can it's not just like putting on a different skin it's like piece by piece you can customize them super in support of that i am weirdly over variations yeah i i am kind of too i i i really didn't mess around like i i would pick my my one variation with my with my like you know one or two characters and I would stick with that. I, I didn't. I actually really liked when they had tourney mode and didn't have to deal with all the other uh, variations. But not now in rank mode, they allow custom yeah. variations. And I'm like, uh, I don't really want to deal with learning how to deal with 500 other things that these characters can do. I, um, so maybe yeah. maybe what I want from MK12 is for them to get away from that. Yeah. Just you know, focus on single characters, single move sets, and just make them as you know as good and as interesting as they can. Because I feel like on paper, variations are really exciting where you're like, oh, man, I love this character. I have all of these different ways that I can play them and customize them. And I feel like in practice, that's never how variations have ended up for me, where it's like, I like that variation. And then it's just like, I feel like I just kind of stick to things so fiercely or prefer one thing over the other so much that I didn't feel that flexibility nearly as much as I, I ever wanted to. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, on paper, they're so cool. Also... 
shout out to the crypt in MK11. I was gonna say the the problem with throwing throwing out all that customization is that you throw out all right. those things that they can put mm-hmm. in the crypt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I do think. I do think Mortal Kombat was kind of onto something, even though the balance was way off at the beginning, of like the towers and like having consumable items and kind of making more of an RPG out of it. I think that stuff is really cool, and I would love for something in Street Fighter again, like having something like the crypt where you could like go and explore like areas that are significant to these characters or just unlock cool things. I don't know. I I feel like fighting games could do a better job with unlockables. Yeah. And I think Netherrealm understands that uh, in a way that, that other people are not trying. I will say, Netherrealm, knock it off with the jump scares in the crypt. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that? Knock it off. I don't like it. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I've said it plenty of times. People are probably sick of hearing it by now, but I really like the Capcom Fighters Network. It's something mm-hmm. that I wish every fighting game had where you could just... Like the, the gold, silver... No, 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 gold. not that. Like, you... It's like, oh, okay, like, let's say I'm learning, uh, I don't know, like... Let's say I'm learning Ken. I can go into the Capcom Fighters Network, sort all the Ken players, right? So I can see oh, the best yeah. in the world. I could see mm-hmm. bronze rank Ken if, if, I, if I want to. And it's just like you, you can follow individual people. And I, I think watching... People play fighting games is so essential to learning and having a yeah, robust system. It really is. Yeah, uh, to, to help facilitate that is awesome. Guilty Gear Strive also has a system that I'm really fond of with their replay thing where you can basically set parameters. So you can say, okay, I want to fu- only see people in Celestial rank. I want to see Giovanna as you know the character that's being played. I want to see a match where Giovanna wins, and I want to see you know who who Giovanna is fighting against. Mm-hmm. So I, if I'm having trouble with like the chip matchup, I can set Giovanna versus chip. Giovanna wins, and I can see what that Giovanna is doing that I'm not you know in this chip chip matchup. Yeah. So yeah, anything like that, I think should be standardized. I feel like the perfect fighting game is already out there. It just we needs just, to be an amalgamation. We just need to take a bunch of things from different fighting games and put them all together. I feel like I've said this before, but that is that is something that is so frustrating about fighting games is you will see one company like excel in one area and then a company, a different company excel in a completely different area and totally suck mm-hmm. at the area that the other company is doing well in and it's like no, like just learn from them <laughs> and do your thing. Yeah, it it is immensely frustrating. Are we ready for some emails? Let's do it. Our first email comes in from Brandon, who asks, Hello, everyone. I'm currently still chipping away at Horizon Forbidden West, and in prior circumstances, I would have finished it by now, but I still have so much left to do, and I feel like I'm going to be playing for quite some time. In addition, I've been playing six matches a day in Halo Infinite just for the achievement to say I've reached level 100, and spending so many days on these games makes me wonder, what's the longest amount of time you've spent with a game in terms of continuous days or weeks, but not in terms of playtime? In other words, what's a game you kept with for a significant stretch, even if you could only dedicate an hour or two per play session. Thanks for taking this email, if you do, and stay easy, fellow allies. I was going to say Elden Ring for review, but then you said only an hour or two at a time. Yeah, just, just like something <laughs> you kept checking in yeah. with for a long period of time. Um, probably Guilty Gear Strive. Nice. Yeah, yeah good answer. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I've fallen off of it recently because of, you know, work stuff. But, uh, you know, when Guilty Gear Strive came out, I was playing that all the way, like, pretty much every day, all the way till the end of the year at the very least. Nice. Um, yeah, I 
I feel like I'm pretty good at Guilty Gear Strive. I'm I'm excited to to go to Evo and, and you know test my luck at it. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, I, do you remember when we went to Wednesday Night Fights together? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Way been, back I've in the Street Fighter Five. I've been competing in uh, online Wednesday Night Fights every nice. now and then. I have gotten away from watching Wednesday Night Fights, but I, I should watch them again. Yeah. Um, I, I obviously spent a long time playing Hearthstone, but a, a contemporary answer, I just cannot get away from Dead by Daylight. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's, like, continuous for, for months on end, but, like, I've been... Going in and out of Dead by Daylight obsession now for like years, like I'm I'm surprised how long I've been sticking with it, and I'm still a pretty bad killer, but I've gotten a lot better at at Survivor, and it's just like there's something about this game that I cannot get away from, and I think it's because my wife likes it so much too, hmm. which I don't understand because horror is like her least favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and she, the, I think part of the reason I'm not great at killer is because she can't handle games in first person, which you play killer in first person, so I've just had to, <laughs> that's part of the reason I've played so much Survivor. But yeah, like the the new Ring Sadako chapter is really fun. I think she's super fun to play. I just, I cannot quit Dead by Daylight. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the two that, that come to mind is, you know, Animal Crossing, of course, which is sort of built for that. And and sort of similar to you, it's like part of one of the things that, that keeps me in an Animal Crossing game is that, you know, is my wife will keep nice. playing it. You nice. know, and, and so it's funny because we've had different stretches to where, you know, I, I we, we had both stopped playing it for a while, but then we had the, the DLC came out and then she got back into it. And I started the DLC a little bit, but then I really like I, I broke off, so I haven't been continuing it now. But I had I had a pretty long run there, uh, and then uh, yeah, Forza Horizon Five. Nice. You know, it was like one of the times where like because I feel like with pretty much any racing game, you know, kind of even like with GT Seven, it's like okay, I'm done with the campaign. There's still a lot more to do, you know. But then like once it once I've gotten through that like brutal beast of a review, then I kind of like, okay, I'm free. Yeah, you can get it. Yeah, yeah. For sure. uh, and Forza was, you know, Horizon was one where I, I like, I just, I would keep going back to it and be like, okay, well, maybe I'll uh, hit all the billboards. Okay, I did all that. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll do all the dirt races because I have, you know, there's still dirt races left and I really like the dirt races. And it's just like, there's just be like some checklist or another to, to keep going back to and keep having fun with, with that game. And so, for sure. Yeah. I, I, Brought that, yeah. What well, the funniest, funniest part about that was, I, you know, I brought my Xbox with me for Christmas, and I had just sort of, you know, hooked it up and made sure everything was running, you know, and, and got it set. And I wasn't planning to to play Forza that day, and then it was just like, well, all night long, and yep. then up oh, the next day, up oh, the next day, up. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh, there's other things I was planning to play on this trip. <laughs> I. <laughs> Last night, I I was like, okay, we'll play Dead by Daylight for a little bit, and then we'll play, we'll continue uh, Horizon because we I I really wanted to get back to that. That didn't happen. We just kept rocking Dead by Daylight. Like, yeah, I love when you just get so into a game that it kind of bulldozes yeah. other things. Shout out to Among Us also because nice. I, mm. like Among Us for me was really that quarantine game that awesome. really hit the you know the perfect time when you know you couldn't see. Any of your friends, but you could still get in the Discord chat and play Among Us for you know a couple hours every every couple days. For sure, yeah. I feel like I haven't played Among Us in 
whenever the last time we yeah, played. Yeah, I haven't played it in a while. Yeah, I've only, <laughs> yeah, I've only done it a few times. Uh, Fall Guys was one that I, I mm-hmm. went back to for a little while. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, our next email comes in from Alex, uh, who says, Hi, allies. Before Elden Ring, I would have mostly agreed with Brandon's review. However, since playing FromSoft's Masterpiece, I cannot bring myself to go back. The map is generic, the characters are boring, and the story takes a weird direction. While the combat is amazing, there's never anything exciting to kill. Thunderjaws are awesome, but even they become trivial. Basically, and I'm not trying to say Brad and Brandon are wrong, if Horizon Forbidden West is a 9, Elden Ring is an 11. So my question for the panel is, has a later release ever killed another game for you? Hmm. I mean... I don't think I don't think to like that degree. I don't really think of of games like that in that way. I think you know e- even if one game does something really well, an- another game can stand on its own merits. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to necessarily compare everything to to everything. And like in my review, I say that you know Elden Ring, you know, is going to be a game that I think we're going to look back on. Like you know, developers are probably going to look back on as like you know new standards of of open world design that doesn't mean that every open world game should be like Elden Ring. I don't mm-hmm. think every you know, I don't I don't think any Assassin's Creed should adopt the no no side quest uh you know journal or whatever. Um but yeah it's hard to answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I thought this email was interesting because I feel like I have definitely had a moment where Getting sucked into another game kind of killed my interest in in a in a different game, but I cannot remember what mm. in the moment. I feel like I do have a good answer for yeah. this, and I think it's a good question, but I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I t- yeah, I, my 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 main difficulty is just when things I have to do right for work just like just bulldoze what I you know. And again, it tend it tends to be those open world games that get bulldozed. It's like you know, like I was really. You know, I I put like sixty something hours into Cyberpunk. I don't think I was that far in the story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then because there are other things that like started piling in, and then I got knocked out of Cyberpunk. You know, and I still you know look at that once in a while. I was like, oh, I want, want to get back into that sometime. But 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 when you know, and right. like, and I've had the same sort of experience with like the first Horizon with Ghost of Tsushima, and it's like those open world games. Like I really love diving into them. Because it's easy for me to sink so much time in, it's also easy for me to get knocked out by yeah. just things I've got to do. Yeah, I, I will say, like, you know, iteratively, you know, playing Smash Brothers, you know, Ultimate makes it hard to go back to, like, you know, Smash 4 or, mm. you know, for sure. earlier yeah. earlier Smash Brothers games. Right. The same way that, you know, playing uh, maybe Street Fighter is not the, the best example, but maybe like Guilty Gear Strive. You mm. know, if once you get used to playing Guilty Gear Strive and you're, you're used to that, you know, rollback no code, you're, you're used to how people play in that game, it's kind of hard to go back to Exert sometimes. Mm. Um, so I think iteratively, you know, sure, I think there's definitely games like that, even if I can't think of great ones right now. Yeah, th- this job, um, to elaborate on your point, Blood, is, is a blessing and a curse sometimes because, like, for a pretty long stretch I was really good at like getting through Halo challenges and I was really playing that multiplayer a lot and then it's just it just gets to a point where you're like I I I can't devote the same amount of time to this anymore I have to move on to other things and part of that is my own desire to want to play a bunch of things but then part of it is like all right my job is pushing me to 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 move on um and that that can be heartbreaking cuz like man 
I miss playing a shit ton of Halo. <laughs> that was really fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Our last email comes in from Wesley. Uh, greetings, Ben and Allies. Elden Ring is out, and it's a hit. People can't get enough of this game, and it's a massive world, and it's awesome to see so much enthusiasm for the game. However, despite the enormous open-world nature of Elden Ring, I can't help but notice that it's largely comprised of the traditional trappings of previous Souls entries. Between the Dark Fantasy world, the Tough as Nails combat uh, systems, the creepy enemy design, numerous hair-raising boss encounters, and even bonfires in the form of Sites of Grace. This is still very much a Soulsborne game, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it, and it's still a first-in-class gaming experience, but I often wonder if From Software continues to maintain this formula, how much longer people will continue to buy in. I appreciated the fact that Sekiro was such a departure from traditional Souls-style games in many ways with its more forward narrative and parry-focused combat. Felt like From was taking things in a bold new direction. Now they've pivoted back to their more traditional formula with Elden Ring. I hate to see a great formula ridden into the ground to the point of detriment looking at you, Far Cry series. Do you think that From needs to shake things up more than they already have, uh, than they already are with their games? Or is making another Dark Souls in Spirit game perfectly acceptable with a few minor tweaks? Uh, if you do want to see them shake things up more considerably, which direction would you like to see them take? Uh, thanks for reading my question if you do, and stay easy, fellow allies. Really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just from, from my own personal tastes, I actually think FromSoft has done a pretty good job mm-hmm. of, of varying up all their releases. Like yeah. Dark Souls 1 feels very different from Dark Souls 2, feels very different from Dark Souls 3, at least from like a mechanicals perspective, even though they still have the same general setting. And then, you know, you go further than that in like, you know, Bloodborne's obviously very different from that. Sekiro is a completely, you know, different direction. And with Elden Ring, you know, I, I don't think you can undersell how much of a change adding an open world to the Dark Souls formula. Yep you know, is. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> when I played the network test, I was actually pretty down on Elden Ring because I'm like, it feels too familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. Uh, I, I think what, what has really blown me away about Elden Ring, or one of the things that's really blown me away, is is how transformative the open world is and how the way that it's implemented feels so thoughtful and unique and, and, and magical. And so I very much get where Wesley is coming from because I had the very same fears, but I... I when I play Elden Ring, I don't feel like, oh, I'm doing this again. As somebody mm-hmm. who's pretty aggressively played yeah. uh, the Souls games, it, it feels different because of the execution. So, yeah. So, for, from my perspective, I think they just kind of need to do what they, they're, they've been doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, never rest on, on their laurels. I don't think there should be just, you know, an Elden Ring 2 that does, you know, just basically more of what Elden Ring 1 does. I think they need to iterate upon it in some sort of interesting way that, you know, takes it in, in a different direction, even if it's just, you know, a slight veer from the path. Um, yeah. I think you did a good job, though, of, of highlighting, you know, because I think if you really take a look at their lineage, uh, you know, over the last 13 years, they, they really have, even despite having, like, you know, a, a base to work from with all of these games, I do think they've made them sufficiently distinct and after playing Elden Ring and and after being so in love with it I think I'm kind of at a point right now where I'm not finished with Elden Ring but I'm at a point right right now where I'm like I think you are so talented and you are you know this far in to to the you know the souls formula you're you're hitting it at this quality (laughs) and making it resonate this much like I trust 
you will not fuck it up. Like yeah. you, you've you've definitely earned my benefit of the doubt to a, a pretty dramatic degree. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in some ways, I think a, a lot of it comes down to just kind of the aesthetic and the build variety and stuff. Like, you know, just having not started yet and seeing from a distance, like a lot of that stuff feels very familiar to Dark Souls, mm-hmm. whereas like Bloodborne and Sekiro is like, okay, like there's similarities, but they go in pretty different directions. So, yeah, I, I, I do wonder if it, a lot of it really just comes down to to aesthetic details you know like maybe if they did something that was say in the armored core universe and like everything you're doing you know was more with you know guns and technology and you could get into a mech and destroy a wall and you know and find a secret that way or something you know along those lines Mm -hmm. like that may be kind of the thing that like you know feels different just because you know it's just not like swords and sorcery and for sure. That, yeah. One, one thing that I, I would like to see from do is I would like to see them take on an established brand and see what they can do with it. Like mm-hmm. a From Software Berserk game, I right. think would be sick to see what they can do with. Um, from Software Castlevania game. From Software Castlevania. Well, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I blood. I think some another thing about Elden Ring that is, that is special is absolutely there are so many aspects that you could take from Elden Ring and put in a Souls game and they wouldn't be out of place. But Elden Ring really does take full advantage of its open world and gets kind of weird at times uh, in ways that that are that are really exciting. Like there are moments where I'm like, oh, this could be like a Bloodborne thing, mm-hmm. right? And so it does. Uh, it does vary, but. Yeah, a totally new thing. It's funny because, like, you mentioned, like, mechs, and that's something that they've history with, and you mentioned Berserk, and I mentioned Castlevania. I I feel like that is all kind of in their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, like, what would be really wild for them, you know? Like, a contemporary dating game? (laughs) Kart racer? Yeah, kart racing. (laughs) What would would really stretch their their boundaries? I don't know. Social deduction game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is going to do it for Frame Trap. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. Uh, If you'd like to send in an email, the address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. One more time, that is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Big, big, big thank you uh, to my special guest, Mitch, for driving all the way over here. uh, Anytime. Yeah, it was super fun. And, of course, thank you to Daniel Bloodworth. Until next time.